0: Happy Monday. Welcome to another sneak preview. I'm Connor Izagari.
1: I'm Caleb Boucher.
0: Today we're doing something a little bit different. Since neither of us wanted to see Dear Evan Hansen, which is getting destroyed by critics, and since we've lost quite a bit of faith in Netflix over the past year, didn't want to watch The Starling, which is sitting at 21% on Rotten Tomatoes, or Intrusion, which is sitting at 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, we decided to have fun with it. Today we're doing another top 10 countdown. Fans of the Film and Podcast will remember these
1: fondly. It's been a minute, and Caleb has never done this before. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I've only like ran in top tens for the site a good amount of times. Uh, but never one for the show. So I'm excited to finally have my first pop my cherry on a top 10 show episode.
0: They are the most fun episodes, I gotta say. Uh Caleb and I have prepared our own top 10 favorite horror movies of the 2000s, meaning horror films that were released between 2000 and 2009. So that'll be the bulk of today's episode. Can't wait. But first, let's see what happened last week in film. Last week in film. First up, four trailers to start with. Uh, We got the second trailer for Halloween Kills, hitting theaters and Peacock on October 15th. Uh, Solid trailer. Looks like we're going back to the beginning in more ways than one. This will be exciting.
1: Yeah, no, this, uh, I was kind of scared because I know a lot of people complained about the marketing for the last movie, revealing a lot of the footage. But I said, I went ahead and watched this trailer and, no, it looks good. I mean, I'm so excited for Halloween kills. I think mean, this one's going to be awesome. Cannot wait. Yeah, I
0: this is bitching. I didn't need a trailer, honestly. I was on board for this immediately. But I am, you know, I'm getting the feeling that this is a bloodbath. And that's fantastic. Just Michael carving his way through Haddonfield in a way I don't think we've ever seen. This is Michael on the defensive, which is new.
1: Yeah, like he's, he's on the defensive. He has a town rallied against him this time. We got prior survivors coming back. Like, yeah, this is an all-out bloodbath. And I keep hearing that what they, they're only showing, like, a tenth of the kills and the gore in the movie and the trailers. Like, there, there's apparently a lot more in store for people that have seen it, I think, at uh, TIFF, I think is where they uh, premiered it. Yeah. So, apparently, we're in for quite a treat come October
0: 15th. Beautiful. That's in two weeks. I can't fucking wait. Or three weeks. Sorry, got my times mixed up. I really want to see this. <laughs> um, next up, the full trailer for Spencer, the Princess Diana biopic starring Kristen Stewart. It's theaters November fifth. I get that her name was Diana Spencer before she, maybe after she. I don't, I know her name was Diana Spencer, but
1: why didn't they just call it Diana? I don't know. I mean, look, immediately. I'm going to up say not up my alley to immediately watch. I think Christian uh, Stewart, I'll definitely be paying attention because it looks like she will be up for Oscars big time for performances as good as the trailer is making it out to be.
0: That's the vibe I'm getting. Everyone is saying she is absolutely lights out, which is cool because I've never really cared about her in the slightest. But I'm looking. I think this movie is going to change that. This for me, I think is going to do what the Lighthouse did for me for Robert Pattinson, kind of erase Twilight. So I think we'll see.
1: Yeah. Well, I know both of them have also kind of like disowned that franchise big time in interviews, especially Pattinson more so than Stewart. Um, So I get the feeling that both of them just they they there was an opportunity to kind of get something and. I guess, you know, stepping stone to something bigger and Ugly Pass has really gone better stuff since then. Like so with the lighthouse and this upcoming Batman film that I'm tired of hearing about. I just want to fucking watch. Oh.
0: I uh <laughs> I was watching this article on uh, crack.com about just the the weirdest and most entertaining uh commentary on DVDs. And I guess the commentary for Twilight is worth watching the movie again. Because Robert Pattinson and, and Kristen Stewart just eviscerate the entire movie. Just make fun of it. Just mock it. Pattinson goes on a big whole thing about veggie burgers. Like, not even watching the movie anymore. It's, I, I listened to some of it. it. It was great.
1: Yeah, I've seen, like, interviews with Pattinson just pretty much is making fun of his character. Like, basically saying, like, how do you, teenage girls, like, this character, this guy's a stalker. Like, <laughs> that's good. I'm excited for Spencer. Princess
0: Diana has such a fascinating story, and uh, looks like this will this might do her story
1: justice. I hope
0: Kristen Stewart is up to the task. Next up,
1: if it's a primary for Snake Preview, I'll watch it. If not, I'm not watching. November
0: fifth, I think we've got other stuff. We'll see. I'll I will I I, don't, I won't make you watch this if you don't have to. I know you don't care. <laughs> um, next up, Finch. A post-apocalypse drama starring Tom Hanks as a scientist who builds a robot buddy to help him protect his dog in the wasteland. It's Apple TV Plus on November 5th. Uh, this looks cute. I watch anything with Tom Hanks.
1: Yeah, no, this I did see the trailer first. It looks pretty good. Um, my only worries I like from what I've heard from you and some other people with Apple TV Plus is that their film output hasn't been the greatest. It looks like that's going to change, though, because I earlier this year
0: I watched Coda, which was fantastic. And with Finch and the movie we're about to talk about, uh, I think Apple TV is about to change their output. I think they're going to be big next year.
1: OK, um, yeah, I mean, like you, I like Tom Hanks. Who doesn't like Tom Hanks? So it's definitely like something that might be as very least entertaining. So, like, it makes entertaining, maybe. So I, if I don't have a t- Apple TV Plus account, count, so I'll check it out if I ever get it to count.
0: Good. Finally, the teaser for Joel Cohen's The Tragedy of Macbeth, starring Denzel Washington and Frances McDormand. Hits theaters on Christmas Day and Apple TV Plus two weeks later on January 14th. This looks off the fucking wall. I. This looks so intense. It's Joel Cohen on his own for the first time. Ethan's nowhere to be seen here uh i doubt that's i don't think that's gonna that means there's a split coming i doubt that they're you know they're fine but this looks so good i am very excited for this
1: i'm so glad you are because that trailer bored the living fuck out of me
0: it was 40 seconds long you can't you can't hold interest for 40 seconds
1: not for that movie
0: it's i i don't care about shakespeare either but Macbeth, i i have a soft spot for it.
1: and this just looks
0: so exciting to me so damn
1: okay there's nothing that looked exciting to me i'm i could care less about this film coming out i thought you were a Cohen brothers fan i am i'm not the biggest shakespeare fan he bores the living shit out of me me too i fucking hate shakespeare but this is the Coen Brothers
0: doing Shakespeare. That's got to be something. Nope. All right. Well, I'm. I have. a I have a feeling this is going to make some Oscar oh. buzz. I. I'm going to be talking
1: about this movie a lot over the next look. Months. When it comes to Shakespeare, I'll watch Romeo and Juliet again. Shout out to Josh. I'll watch that again because that was entertaining, and I'm definitely. I'll check out uh, Shakespeare's Shitstorm coming up from Trauma. I'll watch theirs because there's stuffs entertaining. The
0: 2015 Macbeth by Justin Kurzel, starring Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard That was really good. That was a hardcore war epic. That was an action movie. I'm telling you, man. They're out there. The good ones are out there. You just have to know where to look.
1: Troma Entertainment. Got it.
0: Okay. I'm 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 ice skating uphill here. This ain't happening. <laughs> Sorry about
1: uh, this movie. I'm glad you like it. It just it did not. I just, yeah, 40 seconds of me just going, yeah, no. I'm good. I am. I'm pretty disappointed right now. I'm not gonna lie.
0: I thought we were gonna have a moment here, but nope, that's gone. <laughs> Wait, you really watched that trailer? I thought Caleb's totally gonna like this trailer. I thought it looked intense. I know you like all the people involved. So what? What happened? Just Shakespeare just completely shut you down. That sucks.
1: Yeah, and the the style and everything just looks like it's gonna be this pretentious type of artsy thing. That I could care less about. Okay, moving on.
0: Uh, Nintendo. Has- uh, yeah, I feel bad. I'm upset now. <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy this film. I I don't care. I'm I'm looking forward to this. I'm not what apologizing is, for any
1: reason. What if like the rest of this year is just you constantly bringing that movie up? She's like, I'm going to enjoy it. Goddamn it! It's award season,
0: so I feel like this is gonna happen a lot. Actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so once October's over, man, it's a lot of me having to like be like, oh, okay, let's watch this movie. Woo!
0: <laughs> uh, Nintendo has announced an animated Super Mario movie for next year, and uh, the voice cast has a lot of fans pretty irritated. Uh, Chris Pratt is Mario. Charlie Day is Luigi. Anya Taylor-Joy is Princess Peach. Jack Black is Bowser. Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. Keegan Michael Key is Toad, Fred armison is Cranky Kong, Kevin Michael Richardson is Comic, and Sebastian meniscalco is Spike. Release date is December 2022, and I could give a fuck. I've never cared about Mario.
1: As someone who does like Mario, I am so. I, I'm kidding. I don't. The people that are getting all pissy online, shut the fuck up. All right. Like, look. It's just a voice cast. The movie's not coming out until next year. We don't have a trailer. We don't have anything to base their performance on yet. So just get your pants out of f- out your fucking asshole and wait to see a trailer and then see how you feel about a fucking Mario movie or Chris Pat. Did you say get your pants out of your asshole? Yes. <laughs> the fuck does that mean? I made it up on the fly. <laughs>
0: It sounded like you, you were trying to say something and it didn't happen. But yeah, all right, yeah, I, I agree. Get, get your know, pants out yeah. of your
1: asshole, you annoying assholes. It's just, like, people do, like, what was it, back? Okay, like, it's, I'm, I'm getting fed up with, like, people that will get mad at something without really waiting for footage or any kind of thing, right? Like, when it was announced that Heath Ledger got cast as the, the Joker, fans yeah. got furious. I'm like, hold on. Like you're not there when they're doing the casting aud- auditions with the casting director and the director who are looking over all these auditions and picking roles. You're not there. They are. Just hold it, okay? Wait. Nintendo's proven with Sonic that they see- they got this video game thing with Sonic and the Castlevania show on Netflix. Like they seem to understand the video game movie adaptation better than a lot of these other companies. So. Just wait. Just give it a second, people. It's fucking Mario. It's not known for its story. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I uh, I
0: probably won't see this. I've, I've had PlayStation my whole life. i would never played Mario. I don't care.
1: I'll check it out just because I do like the Mario games. I like the Mario Brothers, like the actual like, side-scrolling Mario Brothers. All the offshoots I can't care less about, but I'm a fan, so I'll check it out. Cool. Well, maybe I'll sit off on that one
0: or we'll, I don't know. Hopefully something else comes out that week. <laughs> um, the third Fantastic Beast movie has a title and a release date. Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore will hit theaters April 15th, 2022. Mads Mickelson is replacing Johnny Depp as the franchise's main villain, the dark wizard, Gellert Grindelwald. And with the recent fervor of Johnny Depp fans coming out of the woodwork, a lot of people are starting to boycott this movie because of this. Uh, I'm not looking forward to it, mostly because the second one sucked ass. And I don't think this is very... I don't think this is being made for the right reasons. This, the Fantastic Beasts franchise feels very financially driven and not story driven. I don't appreciate J.K. Rowling doing everything she can to alienate trans people. And I I, I like Mads Mikkelsen. I don't like the way this was handled.
1: Uh, oh, well, especially because the court, you know, proved yeah. that ever heard was lying yeah and then so it's i've been seeing i don't know how confirmed it is but supposedly like jason moa has kind of been revealing he's not the biggest fan of her when they've been filming aquaman one and two
0: from my own inner sources of filming i've heard she's a horrible person to be on set with she's unprofessional she holds people back she doesn't learn her lines and she doesn't give a fuck about anybody's time but her own so i'm not surprised (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I'll say people love Momoa. I hear he was pretty awesome to have on set. So, yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm, dude, I'm honestly exactly everything you said. I'm pretty much with you on this movie uh, with the stuff. J.K. Rowling becoming like the Don Trump of Twitter in his absence, apparently. Hmm. It just won't shut up saying dumb stuff. It's so um,
0: easy to not be an asshole. Just keep your mouth shut when yeah. the future of a billion-dollar franchise is at stake.
1: Right. It's like, just stop talking. Uh, but yeah, like, between that and the fact that I didn't really like either Fantastic Beast movie. Um, I liked the first
0: one initially. I haven't gone back to it. And
1: two, I thought it was garbage. God, two? Like, the first one, I'll say this. I thought it was okay, the first one. And I was like, I liked, I thought it was okay enough to go like, you know what, I'll give the second one a shot. Hopefully they go up, and I remember just really hating sitting through that. So I can maybe like, I hate it sitting through it. Yeah, and it's it's like you said, like it it feels like J.K. Rowling hasn't had success outside of Harry Potter as a writer. She hasn't, so it's like she's like crawling back to get that Harry Potter money. Instead of just maybe making new books, she's like, oh, I can just add to this impeccable film series I have established, or she could just shut up and take the royalties.
0: I mean, she's making millions every year from just doing nothing, from just owning this shit. Why does she? There's no need for this. It's it's tainting the franchise. They're not good movies. And there were so many different options she could have done with a with a prequel, tell a good story, but instead we went this route, and I don't know why.
1: You know what I wish she would have done? Do what uh do what they're doing with Lord of the Rings. I'm really excited for the Amazon Prime thing that they're doing, like they're doing a TV show. It's still it's still within the universe, but it's not getting tied down by the the books or anything. They're just top, you know obviously adhering to rules and stuff established by Tolkien. Like I'm actually really excited for this show because it's like the thing that bugs me with a lot of these franchises is not just Harry Potter, but like Lord and Lord of the Rings, like Star Wars, right? Stop being tied to your focus storyline for so long. Like in the case of Star Wars, it's the Skywalker saga. Harry yep. Potter, it's obviously the title character. <laughs> lord yep. of the rings you know frodo and all them realize that what these yes those are it's so for great stories but realize that these people create wards for you to play with so play with them that's why the main is so fucking good that's why am again i'm excited for that lord of the Rings show they're playing with these roads that are created stop yep. remaking the story stop adding to the story we don't need yep and- I'm
0: apprehensive with the Amazon show. As long as the Tolkien estate has no problem with it, I have no problem with it.
1: I think they've been working with them.
0: Good, good. In that case, very good. I also heard that they're trying to get Howard Shore to do the music, which is very exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah. From what I understand, they're not, this isn't, they've been taking their time because they've been talking about this for years. So this has been like Prime's biggest thing that they've been wanting to do. From what I understand, they get a lot of fans They're actually working on this show. They're trying to make it right. My understanding.
0: Well, I didn't want to see just another Game of Thrones knockoff. I didn't want to see I wanted this needs to feel like the Lord of the Rings or it's not going to work.
1: Exactly. It it definitely from what I unlike you know the Fantastic Beast which has just felt like finan- like you said financial driven. What I've been seeing on like I again my two main sources when I always say like I hear this for me is really disgusting. And IGN those are my two like biggest sources I go to. Yeah. And what I've seen off of IGN is that it's it's fans that are doing the show and that they want to do it right. They're not doing it for financial reasons. They just want to tell a new story within the world of Tolkien's Lord of the Rings universe.
0: It's good. I think, you know, with Fantastic Beasts, why not just tell the story of Dumbledore and Grindelwald in one movie? Why do you need to have five? Why is Eddie Redmayne even here
1: if there's going to yeah. be the no Fantastic Beasts through line anyway? And see, yeah, that's my thing. It's like, don't stop putting Dumbledore, because that's what I mean, because I know some people are like, well, they're telling a different story. No, they're not. They're putting Dumbledore in to tie it as close to Harry Potter as they can. And so they're just giving us new Scamander and making him the focus. And getting away from all that Harry Potter stuff. Yeah, but because they want to adhere to it, look at how much it's suffering.
0: Yeah, it's a damn shame. Uh I'm not I'm not expecting a lot from this.
1: No, I I yeah, I literally am not that I'm not excited at all for Fantastic <laughs> Beast 3. I hate that after this I got two more films to get through for it to finally be over. Like oh I, and, yeah, the whole Johnny up thing, like, I'm sorry, like, I'm, I'm with the fans, boycott the damn movie. Like, he shouldn't have been fired. Yeah, he shouldn't have been fired.
0: Uh, and now, three unfortunate deaths to report this week. First up, actor Anthony Johnson has died at 55. He appeared in such films as Friday, Menace to Society, Lethal Weapon 3, and House Party, among others. He was a buddy of Ice Cube's. Ice Cube tweeted a very nice... Uh, epitaph about him on Twitter and uh, yeah just a damn shame who was he in Friday again I I, I regret to say I don't I don't know
1: like, I've seen these movies I'm trying to place the name of this guy no, I'm not trying to sound like that but he
0: was a very he was a minor actor he did a lot of bit part work so it, he never really was you know I don't want to say he wasn't huge but you know I, I realize this is a really fucked up epitaph but uh, yeah sorry we don't we don't know the guy very much but I, my heart goes out to his fans and his family.
1: Yeah. Well, so you know what? R.A.P., all the movies you named, I like. So I'll look him up later to place it.
0: Um, next up, director Roger Michelle has died at 65. Michelle was the director of Notting Hill, Changing Lanes, Morning Glory, and Hyde Park on Hudson, among others. South African director known for his rom coms or rom drums. And, uh, I've seen Hyde Park on Hudson and I I really didn't care for it.
1: I haven't seen any of these movies.
0: Hyde Park on Hudson is a biopic of Franklin D. Roosevelt's affair he had with his second cousin.
1: Um, Oh, hey. (laughs) Ancest.
0: I know, right? Back when this wasn't weird, weirdly. uh, Bill Murray plays FDR and he fucking is terrible at it. He was horribly miscast. This movie is kind of it's pointless. It doesn't go anywhere, and it's just... It doesn't feel right. It so, was like
1: Bill Murray. You know, I always say, like, a lot of com- comedians... I think you guys brought it up on the Uncut Gems episode that I uh, I listened to it on my way up to Texas. Yeah. Um, a lot of comedians make great traumatic actors. Bill Murray is the exception. <laughs> I don't...
0: That's, I've heard good things. I've I've not yet seen Lost in Translation or Broken Flowers, but I've heard he's lights out in those movies. So I don't I don't blame Bill Murray. I just think this was not the right project for him. I've never thought he you know I don't think anyone ever thought he should play FDR.
1: No, because doesn't even remotely look like FDR. And I know like they can do like makeup and wigs and all that stuff, but I don't I don't see making Bill Murray look like FDR anytime soon. Yeah. So, rest in peace, Michelle. We're really fucking this up, aren't we? Yeah, we are as well. See, R.I.P. Even though I haven't seen your movie, sorry. Uh,
0: Finally, celebrated filmmaker Melvin Van Peebles has died at 89 years old. He directed Watermelon Man and Sweet Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. He also played Dick Halloran in the 1997 miniseries remake of The Shining, and appeared in such films as Last Action Hero, Jaws: The Revenge, and Boomerang, among others. And this one hit the film industry pretty hard. He was a pretty revered, pretty respected filmmaker uh, from the seventies. And, uh, yeah, this is, um, his son, Mario Van Peebles has been a pretty successful director and actor in his own right. And, uh, I'm sure his legacy speaks for itself. I've not seen his films regrettably. Uh, but I, they are on my list. I would like to watch these.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I haven't seen his films either, but that said, the reason I knew about him was because in film school, we, uh, we studied him and what he did for in independent cinema, so, I had to watch a thing on it. And we actually oh, I forgot what movie it was. It's a movie they made on the making of Sweet Streetbacks. I think his son made like a biographical film on it. That's what we watched. Huh. And um, it was really good and really enlightening to see like what he kind of showed that you could do, especially for a young filmmaker, just to get a movie made and that kind of sacrifice to make. And yeah, that one hit. I can see where I can definitely see where that one hit hard. He, he was a game changer in a way that like, to the point that you didn't even realize it, you know what I mean? Like he did. it So game change. So well, it's just like it happened. And then it talked about.
0: Yeah. Well said. Uh, so that's what happened last week in film. Let's do this thing. Top 10 horror films of the two thousands. We're not talking about the movies cause we didn't see them. Fuck them. And, uh, this is going to be fun. We love doing these top tens on Filmgasm. We did, um, Austin and I did a Dark Knight trilogy recast earlier this year on Sneak Preview, but that's really the only kind of off-the-wall thing we've done on this show. We've been pretty uh, sticklers to the calendar, which, regrettably, we probably shouldn't have done. There's been some shit coming out this year that I don't think deserved
1: our attention. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, like I said at the beginning, I mostly done uh, stuff on the site. Um, I know I did. I think it ended up getting a little actual some good traction. The top ten, like hottest women and TV or horror, something like that. It was definitely like you know, I think like what college age me doing something like that. But I remember I somehow got some traction. Yeah, <laughs> that list. um People like
0: countdowns. It's you know, are those episodes are always uh, exciting and get a bit of a reaction so that's that's awesome
1: yeah and i was very excited to do this because like i said i know i did one i think what was the one i did top 10 2010s yeah when uh you Uh, wrote in yeah yeah i wrote that one in and apparently austin really loved it and i remember when i did that i put spoiler for those who haven't seen that list yet i put upgrade as number one i remember when i put it i knew i was gonna get a little bit of pushback because i was like i know this doesn't squarely fit into horror I really fucking like this movie, and sure enough, I remember you texting me going, "Upgrade, really? Number one, horror." And I was like, "I know, I know, I'm aware."
0: Well, you know, after watching Upgrade again for the show, I can say like I get it. There's horror elements in there. I I get why that made your list. Uh, Austin, however, was super excited that that was in there. So,
1: oh yeah, Austin was the only one that I was like, "Oh my god, Upgrade's number one." <laughs> yeah it, and that was my justification for that and i was like well, it has enough horror elements in it yeah. to just for me to count it
0: i've got some movies on on my list of today that are questionable when it comes to horror like i'm interested to see what you think you probably do agree they're horror but some would would maybe not i've got you know one in here that could be considered a thriller and one in here that could be considered punch
1: a thriller. You. punch you through my computer screen <laughs>
0: Just not to us, but like in the broad <laughs> sense of what, you know, most people consider. We're, the, we're rare in thinking thriller doesn't exist. But I got one potential thriller, and I got one that's a comedy.
1: So, yeah. Ooh, ooh, uh, ooh. Mm-hmm. I know you said you might uh, know mine, but I think I got some surprises for you. I'm not sure. I think I might have some surprises up your way. Well, we will see. I have a feeling we're going to have some overlap.
0: Uh, you've definitely seen more horror from this decade than I have but what i've seen is pretty decent and enough to for me to have a really vibrant top
1: 10 here that i'm proud of so let's uh let's get this thing started yeah well like real quick yeah i i I have seen a lot but uh i mentioned it to you when i was coming up with it it's because like this is when i was a teenager so this this decade's like really special to me because this is really like when I was like discovering a lot of stuff, there's a lot of different trends that happened in this era from the the remake craze to so the J horror remake craze to you know the torture porn and a brief flirtation of the um, found footage before the 2010s hit. So it was a really interesting period of what we got and what I grew up seeing and kind of shaped what I like about horror. So that's
0: great. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I knew this was going to be a personal one for you, which is why I think it's a great concept to kind of cut your teeth on with top 10s.
1: Yeah, and I do also have an honorable mention. I don't know if you had one, but I had one honorable mention on my oh. own. Go ahead. So I did put – it was tough on this one, but I put Final Destination as an honorable mention. It, it just barely didn't make the list. Barely, but uh I'm a real big fan of the franchise in general. So one of the franchises that I think has only one bad movie, and that's that though final destination, <laughs> the stupid ass 3D one mm-hmm. with NASCAR. But uh I remember when I first saw this, I saw it on TV and it just entranced me. The idea of like if you escape death, it's gonna hunt you down and get you still. Terrified me as a kid. I mean, just terrified me. And this, like, this movie has lasted to the point that like like, the sequel, white. Right? There's the truck lock incident. I can't be behind a truck lock when I'm on the road. Like, that's how ingrained it is for me. It. I still, when I take planes for any kind of travel, because the first minute, I still have that moment of, like, I swear to God, this plane blows up. Like, it's it stuck with me for that long, this first minute. So that's, yeah, I had to put that in as my honorable mention.
0: That's great. I'm honestly surprised I didn't make your list. So now I have no fucking clue to what to expect.
1: I uh, see. I told you. told you you're <laughs> in for some surprises um
0: i didn't initially have an honorable mention but i'll shout one out one that almost made my top 10 but was really admittedly too fucked up for me to want to go back to uh 2009's the poughkeepsie tapes
1: oh i saw that recently and that that was actually that was good
0: that movie was re- like really brilliant but way too fucking real and uh i th- i gave it a nine i thought it was a b- amazing film but like one of the sickest, most uncomfortable, disturbing movies I've ever sat through. So I don't want to watch it again unless I absolutely have to. And there are these other 10 films I do enjoy. I've seen multiple times. I enjoy watching them. So that's what I took into account. Uh, Poughkeepsie Tapes will no doubt be done on the Filmgasm podcast in the future, be it by our pick or the book, it will happen. Uh, And I'll I'll wait. I'll wait till that happens to to watch this.
1: I won't spoil it here, but let's see if you get what I'm about to put down. The table scene in the living room. Fuck me, fuck man. Me
0: <laughs> that, oh my God. God that, when they
1: revealed that, I was like, oh. oh.
0: That's the first oh. time I, after I watched a movie, I looked up all the actors to make sure they were actors. <laughs> I'm like, holy fuck, this, this is a snuff movie. I'm watching a goddamn snuff film right now. It was, yeah, bonkers movie. Uh, Did not make the top 10 because, frankly, it's just, it puts a bad taste in my mouth.
1: Yeah, you got to watch something else after that. Yeah.
0: Fuck. All right. Why
1: don't you start us out with number 10? All right. Number 10. This is the only one that anyone listening might be. This may not be exactly horror. Only one on the list. Number 10 I put as a recent filmgasm episode pitch black. Oh, here we go. Yeah, pitch Black has come back. <sighs> so, Continue. For those of you who didn't listen to that episode, I saw this movie uh, real young. Actually, so how I ended up seeing this movie was I was, with, I was with a buddy. And his dad was like, hey, let's go to the video store and rent something. And so we went and he kept coming up to me like, hey, have you seen this? I was like, yes. And then he put the movie back. Because I guess he wanted to make sure, I'm sure we got something we both didn't watch. I think he went to, like, five or six movies of, like, you've seen, are you kidding me? And his dad's like, come on, find a fucking movie so we can go. And he's like, he's seen everything. And I guess it was, like, reaching Max annoyance where he just looked to him. He's like, right, grabbed Pitch Black, ran there something. Have you seen this? And I was like, oh, no, I haven't seen that. <laughs> And then that's what we brought home. And like the moment I sat through that, I, mean, I, was, I fell in love. And this was before, like, I was a kid. So this was before Vin Diesel was Vin Diesel. Um, and I just saw a guy that to me was doing a fucking damn good job in the role of Richard Riddick. Yeah, Richard Riddick. Yeah, Dick Riddick for those, for Connor. <laughs> but, you know, just really giving us this. Richard Bruno Riddick. Don't forget that shit. I, I, I try. I keep trying to. <laughs> but, you know, he gives this, you know, he just he uses to me one of the most coolest, most badass characters in horror that like, I remember I wanted the eyes so bad as I was like, dude, how can I get those eyes? <laughs> and just like that. And just like the plot and the world building for that movie it just threw me all in I've seen it tons of times it's like it's honestly the only Vin Diesel movie I'll defend to death like you can make fun of all his other movies fine <laughs> say what you will about triple X fast and furious okay cool the pacifier I don't, I don't care I'm defending pitch black oh I remember that's yeah I, I yeah this
0: there's again horror elements I would I put it more in action sci-fi but I get it, and while I might not, I may not care for this movie, I will defend to the death your right to
1: enjoy this. Thank you. Yeah, I will, and like I said, this is the only one that is like pushes that line we talked about earlier with horror. Yeah. Like, like so like, yeah, like I so, said, I'm fully aware that this one has more of the elements and not necessarily full on horror. I think the yeah. only one that was to me full on horror was actually the third movie. Okay, I
0: don't, I don't remember it, but I'll take your word for
1: it cool all right
0: that's number 10 goddamn and that was a that was a you spent a good long time defending that film to death and that's your 10 that's interesting all right so nine through one must be just like diehard favorites
1: i remember when you said you were going to guess this you had an idea
0: yeah i think i'm way off uh my number 10 may surprise you i don't know if you knew how much i liked this movie um Six of my picks, by the way, are past Filmgasm episodes, just for information. Um, this is a film that I had been told to see by you for quite some time. And then finally, we, we uh, Josh and I did it on the show in your honor. 2006 is Hatchet.
1: Yes, I laugh already. I'm not going to tell you why I have it on mine, but...
0: <laughs> this movie is so goddamn entertaining uh, from beginning to end. It's a horror kind of you know extravaganza it's a there's so many nods to the slasher films past uh the cameos they're able to get like robert england and tony todd and it's just such a fun entertaining bloodbath (laughs) i've never seen somebody's head just get ripped open at the jaw like that (laughs) and i gotta say well done victor crowley hell of a hell of a cool villain and uh Kane Hodder did a great job. The bit with Tony Todd as the like witch doctor dude who got sued for endangerment made me laugh so hard.
1: <laughs> that part was funny. The, the whole series has great parts. Like when we were dying, laughing on "Like chicken and biscuits and gravy. Remember, remember Sid Haig?
0: <laughs> Can't repeat that bit of dialogue here, but goddamn, we had a good time with that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad I, I marathon that franchise. Hatchet, Hatchet Two, Hatchet Three, Victor Crowley, all four great movies. But the first one was a delight because I went in fully expecting to hate it. I went in expecting to be the guy who didn't like Hatchet and had to sit there while Josh just adored it. But thankfully, I found something in it. I really enjoyed it, and it's my number ten.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a fun movie. Like, yeah. Green set out to make a fun movie that harkened back to the old slashers and was a treat for horror fans. And he, to me, ex- not just met those, that criteria, he exceeded it. Yeah, definitely. All right. My number nine. My number nine is a, a special one for horror fans. It's two titans of terror. Finally duking it out. Mono a mono. Machete. Versus, hand claws. Number nine, Freddy versus Jason.
0: Very nice. I was I almost had that. I almost had it. It didn't quite make the cut.
1: Oh, it made it for me. I was actually a super late bloomer of this. I think I didn't see this film till like middle school, and I heard about it from kids that I had seen like oh Freddy versus Jason, blah, blah, blah. you know like that schoolyard talk. But I had, I saw it later, and I just fell in love. I. You know, there's a lot of people that try to, like, really down this. I mean, like, eh, it's, it's really not that good. I'm like, dude, this is, I don't know what you don't like about it. I think it's incredibly fun. They find a really cool way to get these people together, and they go all out on that finale with them fighting. I I don't see how you can hate it. I think this is one of the, the best case scenario we could have gotten with these two guys duking it out. Yes, would have been better if they had gotten Kane harder to play Jason. I don't know why they left him out. Absolutely, but. I still loved it.
0: Yeah, no arguments here. Freddy versus Jason is a fun fucking movie. Uh, I remember very distinctly the first time I watched that movie. It was at a birthday party in fifth grade. Uh, I remember the kid's name. I don't want to say it in case it comes back to him, but I doubt it would. Uh, I was invited. I didn't really like the kid. I don't know why I was at the birthday party, but they were watching, they, they bought a movie on pay per view. They wanted to buy a movie, and Freddy versus Jason is what they bought. And I had never seen anything that hardcore before. And I was watching it. And within five minutes, there's tits. And I'm like, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and, I'm, I'm being honest here. I got nothing. I got nothing to prove. And um, around the t- it was around the moment where um, the, uh, the the boyfriend's Friend who like they were you know in the in the mental hospital where he was killed, they got in, hmm? I, like in the bathtub or whatever. Yes, I don't remember his. He fell asleep and like he had the like the weird shit coming out of his feet. Oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy when he died and I realized I was the only person still watching this, and <laughs> they turned it off because they wanted to play Grand Theft Auto and I'm like no. I'm into this, and it took a long time for me to finally finish that movie. I was really
1: pissed. I would have been so mad, dude. I, I think one of the my favorite, like one of my favorite kills in both franchises in that movie, and it's when the 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 douchebag boyfriend comes over at the beginning of the movie, and they they're banging in the room, and Jason comes out nowhere and just squishes them in between the bed, or him, yeah, shower, but. That was such a gnarly
0: death. I was like, dear God. (laughs) Like stabbed like six times and then just crushed. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have set up a more unlikable dickhead for that to happen to. You know, babe, don't make me ask you twice. Like just
1: what a horrible human being. Yeah, it was like, oh god, it was like every '80s like stereotype just came to force in that character for that movie. <laughs> um, I mean, like you have that scene, you have the the rave scene still stands out when Jason officially like Freddy loses control of Jason, he just goes to town on those people. It, uh, oh, and then like I I watched the bonus features, like the amount of like commitment to this being like an '80s. Style made film with the practical effects and stuff. far. so in obviously including a lot of early 2000 stuff. Like there's a fucking part, a metal song that plays on the soundtrack. Like I just yeah I I love this movie so much. This I'm sad that we couldn't get the sequel Freddy versus Jason versus Ash whatever versus they were going to do afterwards and they tossed out a bunch of ideals. But you know what? It took like ten or so years to get this one. I'm fucking glad we got it. I finally tracked down the graphic novel of Freddy versus Jason versus Ash the,
0: by Holy grail. I finally found a copy. I splurged like I, I paid a lot for it and uh, I'm waiting to have some downtime so I can just sit down and enjoy that. Cause I want to know like, what were they going to do? And I'm, Oh my God, that would have been the coolest horror
1: movie ever made. Ash taking down Freddy and Jason. Oh, dude they had, they, I, I read like the different like verses ideas they had. They were thinking about using Michael. Obviously Leatherface was another big phone out. I do. Um. Even Pinhead was thrown out. I think as a, I don't know if it was a joke, but I think they threw out Chucky. They were just like, "Look, let's just look at all the horror icons. What can we do?"
0: Pinhead, I think, makes the most sense. Leatherface, that that fights over in two minutes. He's just a he's just a feeble minded dude with a chainsaw. <laughs>
1: That's not a fight. All you have to do is get a woman with really nice legs, and all of a sudden he loses his mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I would have had Freddy and Jason get like, you know, frozen or something. I would have done the Jason X route and had them end up in the Alien
1: universe. Oh, that would have been all, I would have been out for that. Freddy versus Jason versus Alien versus Predator. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs>
0: Ridiculous, but yeah, great pick. A uh, really fun movie. I can't wait to do that on FilmGasm. I know we have the franchise in order rule. We 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 might make an exception for that.
1: I'm down. I, I'm always down to watch that movie. Yeah, cuz I don't want to have to do all the Elm Street
0: movies and all of the Friday the 13th movies just to get to that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I've done it that's just cuz I was actually like watching them for the first time. So it's just how it happened, but I want to do it again. Like I'm just going to pick one to watch.
0: That's like 20 weeks of podcasts before we get to <laughs> Freddy versus Jason. Not worth it. So maybe we just do Freddy versus Jason. I'm down with that. Awesome choice. Great movie. Uh, my number 9 is a fun horror comedy from the one and only James Gunn, 2006's Slither.
1: Ooh, good mind.
0: <laughs> this is such a fun movie. I love horror comedies. When you can blend that perfectly, you have such a great movie on your hands. And Slither is such... Both is it, creature feature meets ridiculous small town humor, and it works so well. The cast is great the gore is fucking ridiculous and it's got one of my favorite end credit song uh baby i love you by the yahoos which is the only ever babe we need space song i've ever heard <laughs> uh, check that out if you haven't heard it um Gotta-
1: that movie is oh God, James Gunn is just a fucking awesome director. I, I love that movie. My only grip is the mayor's obsession with Mr. Pibb. We all, I know you guys had the rant on the episode, but uh, to add to it, yes, only Dr. Pepper is the only answer to your soda, not Mr. Pibb. Yeah, you're not wrong. That's, <laughs> yeah, that
0: movie, you can see James Gunn's trauma influence, his roots. And I'm glad that Josh has pushed me to trauma, which is nice. I've seen some stuff now that I can, uh, you know, kind of reference. But uh, Slither's just a blast and a great sci-fi horror movie. The slugs are freaky. Grant Grant, maybe the best name ever. (laughs) Grant
1: (laughs) Grant. Yeah, and look like, honestly, if you're, unless you can't, like, if you can stomach the the, the gooeyness of the gore, it's very yeah. gooey gore in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Like, it, you're, you're going to have a blast. I know, like, I say that because, like, I, so my last day on the ship, you know, I was on duty, and I would put on a movie, and I put on Slither, and this one guy who hates horror just would not shut up. He was like, dude, turn it off. Like, wouldn't shut up. And I kept being like, dude, shut up and watch a movie. He's like, it's so gross. I'm like, well, because you don't get it. Like, You He's also hate horror. Yeah, he also hated horror movies because he thought they were corny. I was like, that's because you're a fucking idiot. But <laughs> I get if you don't like horror movies because you get scared
0: easily, that's fine. But if you don't like them because they're corny yeah. or stupid, fuck you.
1: Yeah, it's like, well, then yeah, but then I had to sit through like all the Fast and Furious films on duty one day because he wanted to watch it. But uh, yeah, no, it, like if you can get past that, you're in for a treat. Personally, I think the Gary Gore heads to the fun of the movie. I think it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's it makes you kind of flinch and be like, "Holy shit, is this really happening?"
1: Yeah, it it helps like you like said earlier, right? Horror comedy like it's hard to pull those off a lot of time, really really hard. But if you do it right, it works really well. And I think a lot of times the key is you have to embrace both sides. You have to embrace the horror so that really gory moments in those movies. But then when the comedy hits, you fully embrace the comedy. Straight up, ah, great movie.
0: Uh, good time.
1: <laughs> that was oh, a yeah, good movie. All right. Are we on to number eight now? Yes, we are. All right. For my number eight, I want to preface with like for all the people out there who have their feelings about remakes. Shut the fuck up. This is top 10 2000s. Not top 10 horror films of all time. With that said, my number eight. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003.
0: Yep, no surprises here. I knew that was going (laughs) to pop
1: up. (laughs) Yeah, I have to preface because I want people like it's not as good as the original. This is not top 10 horror films, this is top 10 2000s. I will absolutely defend this remake. I love this remake. It was, um, I actually saw this first. Um, my, my dad let me rent at the store one day when I was like burgeoning my burgeoning horror years, right? And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I rented it. And I think I watched it within because the video store that we had, I can't I can't remember how block goes straight, but we had like the whole weekend thing if you got on Friday. You had all weekend with it. I, th- I think I watched it like four or five times in one weekend. I just kept playing the fucking movie. It helped develop my crush on Jessica Bill big time in that movie. And I th- I honestly think, like other than the original, to me, this is my second or third favorite interpretation of Leatherface. I think the idea. I know, like the like the biggest thing with like the two thousands horror remake craze was they kept making the villains hulking, compared to their original counterparts. Whereas it didn't always work. I think in Leatherface's case, it actually works tremendously because of his character, because of how he's been portrayed in the past. It works to have him just be the big, scary lumbering dude. And I think uh, I think his name was Andrew Beer Yeah. That played him. I think he did fantastic. I think he did a fantastic job in the role. His letter face scares the living straight out of me, straight up. Yeah, well done.
0: Uh, I remember watching this. I think you let me borrow this. You're like, you need, you need to understand, and you handed me the movie, and I watched it at home, and I'm like, all right, it's not, you know, it, it's nothing's gonna come close to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's untouchable. But for a remake, not bad. And that's
1: surprising to me. (laughs) It understands what the original is. I think that's why, like, it understands what made the original movie work. And for the most part, it sticks to that. This movie's not actually that violent. It's much like the original. They hide a lot of the violence. But because of how they film it, you put a lot more in there. There are a lot more. It is more violent than the original,
0: yes. Well, I was going to say, I think more gory. I think the violence is pretty much at, at par.
1: Yeah i mean yeah no i mean you see a light come off for christ's sakes (laughs) but uh, another thing i also really like about this film is that Arlie army is fucking fantastic in this movie yeah like oh man i like i think one of the scenes that like i remember as a kid it made me laugh but now like my humor is so sick it makes me laugh (laughs) when he's taking the body out of the car and he's like don't i have all the respect for the dead lady don't you get it wrong he turns out and goes, get that fucking body out of the back of my truck so it doesn't stink it up. <laughs> just immediately.
0: I think it's cool that, I mean, between Full Metal Jacket and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I, I can't think of anything where Arlie Ermy actually got to have a meaty role that wasn't just like a brief cameo or a bit part. So for him to actually have a substantial role as like the villain was awesome. And I totally bought his, you know, demented cannibalistic backwoods, Southern sheriff. I, I got it. I believe, yeah. I, I believe that
1: big time. He um, sold it. That, that scene in the car when he makes the dude put the gun in his mouth, to me, is like one of the most intense scenes. And Cause she's just like, what the fuck I got in the mouth? Like, I'm like, Oh my God. That's one I like to. You know what? We did the first
0: two Texas chainsaws. And when it comes to remakes, as long as we do the first one first, I totally want to do the remix. And
1: maybe we do, we do this in the near future. Me down. Like I said, this is uh this is a remake I do defend. I do I again I do yeah, obviously I'm more into the original, but I do really, really like this remake. I think it it's a remake that to me gets a lot of it right. The people behind it cared about the original film. It helped that they got the cinematographer back from the original for this one. Really? And, I didn't know that. Yep. He oh. did the original film and the remake. That's and, um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it I don't know, it's just like this was they're one of the few cases that Platinum Dunes fucking nailed it. So, I'll yeah, I love TCM03 as I have it on my notes. I will say I don't have any remakes
0: on my top 10, but really that's because I don't I don't like a lot of them, but I I will I understand Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's that's one that does stand out.
1: I mean, it started The It started the remake craze for the, like, I know there was like the J-horror thing going on, but it started like the American remake craze, for lack of a better word. Um, I do do have a memory of being in a movie theater in 2002.
0: Uh, And, you know, our movie theater was a regal theater attached to the Valley Mall in Hagerstown, Maryland. And we would walk up this big hallway to the box office, and the hallway had posters lined up, and we would see what's coming out. And they, I saw the poster for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I had never heard of that. So I <laughs> asked my mom, Mom, can we go see that? And she she's looked at it and was like, Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know it was a horror movie because I didn't know what, you know, I just saw Chainsaw. And I, I remember thinking like, Oh, that's probably bad. That's probably bad for me. <laughs> I didn't know what Massacre was. I
1: was eight. Chainsaw's a bad, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you ever see about Hear like the marketing story on this movie No So you know how they got this made In one of the few genius moves Ever done by Michael Bay <laughs> the, the trailer to get Them the funding to make this Was a black screen And just sounds of a woman Screaming and running And then Silence for like 10 seconds Nothing Again, it's just all black screen, okay? And then out of nowhere, you hear a chainsaw revving, and it busts through the black screen to reveal the title, and that was the original. Like, it's on YouTube. Check it out. Yeah, and that's how they got the movie sold. Like, that's what made them go, okay, let's yes, let's go ahead and do this remake.
0: That's pretty awesome. That's yeah. He doesn't have a lot of moments, but that's a good moment for him. (laughs) That's awesome. Um. My number eight is a film that's very dear to my heart because it is the second film that scared the absolute living hell out of me as a child. Uh, we've, you know, If you listen to the Filmgasm podcast, you may have heard our episode on evolution. This is not that film. That's a sci-fi comedy. I'm well aware of that. <laughs> but it happened to me again a year later when my mom and dad took me to see Signs.
1: <laughs> a lot of people don't care for this one, I know. I'll uh, we'll say I will. I'm unfortunately on the camp of don't care. But I know. Go ahead. Defend your right to like this movie.
0: M night does not have a lot of good ones and signs to a lot of people is not one of the good ones. Admittedly, I probably would think the same thing if I hadn't had this happen to me when I was seven years old. I saw the movie. Uh, it's PG 13. My mom and dad should have known better I'm saying it here. I thought the movie was really boring up until the scene that is kind of the infamous scene of the movie. The news The news footage of the little girl's birthday party Or the little boy's birthday party And the we get to see the alien For the first time And the alien walks across the screen Something awakened in me That scared the almighty hell out of me I screamed, I ran, my dad took me into the bathroom To a- to like assure me It's just a movie It's fine, it's okay <laughs> Aliens aren't going to get you Again I think we know what I was afraid of as a child. (laughs) Aliens. Aliens and monkeys. (laughs) But this movie, I went back in and uh, I just kind of sat there quietly. And then when uh, Joaquin started beating the shit out of the alien with a bat, I was like, "Mm, get him. Like whispering, like, get him. (laughs) And uh, ever since then, I've had this weird fascination with this movie. I think the music is terrifying. I think the concept is so real. I think the way he does an alien invasion from the perspective of one family is so smart. And I love the kind of crisis of faith happening in it. The idea that the, the aliens could be demons if you look at it that way. And I just think it's a very unsettling movie. And that scene still gives me the willies. Like I still get goosebumps. It's, uh, it's cool. There's not a lot of films that scare me, but there's these fucking evolution and signs are always going to be there in my head, just constantly reminding me. That they scared me as a child and they can still get me. You know, they can still get me.
1: <laughs> yeah. So signs. I couldn't do this list proper without signs. That's you know That's fair. Um, I, honestly I'm not one of those that like, hates the complete movie. I actually, I'm pretty down for the movie, all the way up to the twist. I'm I'm that's for me. I'm in that camp where like the twist kind of ruins it for me. I get you. Oh, I,
0: it's a it's a stupid twist. I agree.
1: Yeah, but before that, I no, I'm with you. Like the movie is. Showing what Shamrock can do when he actually Writes and directs a good fucking movie and, The um, star yeah. of that movie Is James Newton Howard's score That
0: music is bone chilling
1: The music yeah the music's creepy And yeah no that scene honestly It made me jump I didn't, I didn't get the visceral reaction that you did But I do remember jumping Quite high Because to me it's like that exorcist street scare Where it's like you're not seeing it coming It just happens so you're not yep. prepared Well I love that the introduction
0: of the alien and it's not like you know industrial lights and magic it's not independence day it's a little footage of a little kid's birthday party and you just see it for half a second just whoop, whoop, whoop. and you're like holy shit this is happening <laughs> it's jesus man just oh i still can't watch that movie at night i can't even to this day i can't i can't watch that part if it comes <laughs> on at night i'm closing my eyes
1: so, we got there. Do we have to have a therapy session on that one too in on the near future? Oh, we're going to. Signs, I, yeah, we're doing that's happening. That's coming.
0: <laughs> I, working through evolution is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. That helped me a lot. I <laughs> should have, like, had you pay for my services for that episode. <laughs> oh,
1: good times. Yeah. I can't wait to do that for signs. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I am. Happy that you like it, much like my pitch black listening. I am happy that you like it and enjoy it so much, so much harder to
0: defend M. Night Shyamalan and Mel Gibson. (laughs) So, I've got the harder job here. I think (laughs) this is stupid. Vin Diesel is not as hard to defend as those two. Vin Diesel is not, as far as I know, an anti Semite, nor is he a notoriously shitty filmmaker who keeps getting second,
1: third, fourth, fifth chances. (laughs) yeah no as far as we know he's just kind of a douchebag and that's about it (laughs) yeah kind of a douchebag you can work with but
0: anti-semite and shitty filmmaker hard to argue that one (laughs) (laughs) so i won't (laughs) all right what you got for Uh, number seven
1: number seven is a film that i have showed you recently one of the media films you uh, watched when you were at uh, my place back in June that recently. A movie that I have, I really love. Again, it has much like Hatch has a lot from the genre, and that is Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. So much like how you said, a lot of people twist. I am aware that a lot of people kind of drop off when it switches to um, more traditional filmmaking at the end of the film personally i'm a big fan of it so i know like i literally don't like the guys like i don't really like the twists and signs and now i'm turning around defending what behind the mask does i'm aware of this conundrum that's happening right now but i i just i think what i like about it is that the movie does such a brilliant job of setting everything up at the beginning with yeah. the, the, the documentary crew and the fun little nods to how they're doing everything with like yeah, I gotta work on my cardio. They only run so damn fast. Like, like all these nice little nods that when they do switch to that, it works because you've been you've had that setup. So then that's the payoff. Like, oh no, he's not trying to kill them. She's not the final core, which I think that seems hilarious. Wait, you're not a virgin? Oh God, no. <laughs> but it's actually the the main chick that we've been following the whole time. Yeah. So I I for me it pays off. Like I think for me it, it pays off and I really enjoy it. Um and I I think the guy who plays Leslie Vernon is great. I wish I would have seen could have seen more of him. I don't I can't remember, I can't think of anything else he's been in. That could just be ignorance on my part. But I think he's fantastic. I think uh when good old Herschel from The Walking Dead pops up is fantastic i think the idea that the serial killers are real like freddie michael and jason like we live in a world where they exist so fucking smart in my opinion this is just like this is one of those movies that, like to me like, like if we talk about horror comedy is, like it just works because it takes its horror seriously it takes its comedy seriously and it's also really smart it's, i love this movie
0: yeah, I know. I, I I was into it, really. You're right. Until until it turns into a traditional movie, then I'm like, all right, I kind of lose interest. But up to that, it's really intri- interesting. It's really s- smart. And it's funny how everyone's just willing to let this happen. <laughs> that's the craziest part. This camera crew is just watching this guy prep for, for a murder rampage. And, and they're just like asking him questions. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, I got to do this or else they're going to get away. Like, just... Okay, and I do think it is really cool that Michael uh, Jetty, Freddie, and Jason—god <laughs> damn it—that <laughs> they exist in this world. I think is a really cool way to go. I'm still wondering how they got away with that financially, how they were able to pull that off.
1: I wonder if like just mentioning them is fine. You know what I mean? Like you can say it, but you can You can say it at least once, but you can't say it a lot.
0: That might be it. Yeah, they might have been able to like rent it or something.
1: Yeah. Um, also yeah, because I did like along with that little cardio grip he makes, I always laugh at that part when he's describing like her escape, and he compares it to vagina, (laughs) in the birth. The way he does it, he's just so fucking funny because he's so sincere with this thing. He's like, yeah, it represents her vagina and her rebirth into the ward. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. And you know you get cool cameos too, like you get a uh, you know Freddy Krueger himself, Robert England pops up as his Ahab, which is the greatest thing. <gasps> it's my Ahab. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zelda Rubens, you know Rubenstein pops up as the librarian, which was all is always cool to see her. So yeah, I I saw this. I rented this off of Netflix. That's how I remember it was this movie. I kept hearing about, and I got off Netflix when my family switched over to Netflix, and that's how I watched. And I just I've loved it ever since. I am tired of hearing them talk about a sequel that has yet to happen, but they keep fucking talking about it.
0: Cool. I'm glad you find such enjoyment in this one. It's always nice to you know feel that passion come through. And uh, I did enjoy it for the most part. Uh, I'd like to watch it again. Maybe it'll, maybe I'll you know enjoy that next half again.
1: Yeah, like I said, I, I showed that knowing that was going to possibly happening. because that's been a lot of people you have in the movie. Yeah, a lot of it's almost like universally agreed that everyone loves the first half and then you're on board when it does that switch or you're not. Like, it, I haven't seen anything in between yet. Yeah, it's a
0: good one though, it's a good watch. My number seven, uh, should come as no surprise if you're going to do a top 10 of horror films of the 2000s. If this isn't on there, the fuck are you doing? saw <laughs> oh,
1: overlap again
0: yeah i, I know <laughs> was, if this wasn't on there this is over right now <laughs> saw 2004 gotta go og i love the sequels but there's something about the first one that is just so special uh james wan the movie that pretty much got him you know worldwide fame and acclaim from the horror community uh Also, jump-started Lee Winnell's career. uh, Gave Cary Elwes a boost, I believe. Uh, He wasn't doing too hot in 2004 until Saw showed up. (laughs) And um, introduced the the horror community to John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw. And what a movie. I've I've seen this about six, seven times now. It's one of those films that just never gets old. The cool thing about the Saw franchise is you can know all the twists, and they still are fun to watch.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, all nine films have something
0: to offer. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's great, especially uh, <sighs> Charlie Clouser's music is what clinches it for me. Um, such a great score, you know, intriguing, a little mysterious, but also very final. Like, once the music starts picking up, you're like, oh, shit, it's about to go down every time. All nine movies have done this, it's great, and uh yeah saw is is a classic it's one of the few films on filmgasm we've done twice once on my own once with uh i believe the first one was austin and josh uh with me and then two uh you got to do right
1: yeah yeah because i was on deployment you guys said the the first one and i came back in time for the second one right on um yeah yeah, I'm not going to go too into detail on this because it it's on my list as well. But uh, yeah, no, I'll just give it a saw as an unden- undeniable classic gave us James Bond. You spent just crushing it for all those. You are hating on Malignant. Fuck you. It's a good goddamn movie. <laughs> That's not at you, Connor. That's at the people I see online. They're like, again, I liked it. <laughs> why,
0: do you, why does everybody think I hated Malignant? <laughs> Gave it an eight, I enjoyed the movie. God damn it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Constantly. Oh my god. Setting the record straight here. I enjoyed malignant. I gave it an eight.
1: Duff's said. <laughs> I'm really try really try not to laugh right now. <laughs> Oh want to laugh if you say this now Then when we do like our top 10 for the year and Malignant's not on the list it's just like oh look you didn't like the movie well, I can tell you right now I liked it but it is not making my top 10 of the, of the year it was making mine <laughs> <laughs> but uh no yeah it gave, you know it gave us James Wan and Leigh Reno, who's been also crushing it so yeah this is another classic it gave us a new icon of horror a, the hottest franchise at the time it came out i mean i grew up knowing that every october i was getting a new saw movie so yeah this is a this is a big one again i'll go a little bit more it's my personally i get to do it on my list of course so with that said let's go on to six i believe yes yes all right so this one features director near and dear to my heart one of my I'll say big three. I got one of each of their movies. We've already you've already mentioned one of them in James Wan, but here's one of the big directors that I just love to death, and I want. I, it took me a while to pick a movie in general that I wanted to include that I like, but this was the one I went with because this is the one I've kind of gone back to the most. That I just feel like it's a really fun movie, for as dark as it is. So I know how fucked up I'm about to sound, but with that said, number six, Hostel. Oh yep yep i knew it (laughs) yeah this is the la roth film i chose so with this one i think what i like the most out of all his filmography especially wisely like his to me his great run of his first three films is that to me in a way it was it really took his fear of traveling to an extreme (laughs) like And I think I love how he structures this film, that the first half is them partying, having a good time, being these obnoxious Americans in a foreign country. For those who like boobs, lots of them (laughs) in like the first 40 minutes of this movie. And then it just completely flips on a dime and becomes such immediate, just grim gore torture to the extreme. And I actually will say that I hostile did more for torture porn than saw did initially because hustle came out of the gates when it was saw kind of built up to it. Yeah, I agree so, with that. Yeah. And it just, I think this is like, you, you can see a very hungry young Eli Roth in this movie, just putting it all out there. The, the gory effects still look so gruesome and grisly, And I mean, that in a completely good way, like it holds up in that department and it, it kind of made me scared to travel. I was like, I don't want to go somewhere foreign and get grabbed by some foreign culture group. Um, I do, uh, the only reason I didn't do part two is because that one actually took a while to grow on me. I, I did not like part two at first, and then over the years, it's grown on me. And I think it's a solid sequel. Uh, less said about three, the better. That one was shit. But OG Hostel.
0: hostile, oof. This was a. Uh... Well, too gross for me. Um, the thing with the Saw franchise is, yeah, it's got grisly torture, but it's also got a very intriguing ongoing story. Hostel doesn't really have that. That's It's just watching dumbass Americans get butchered for an hour and a half, uh, which is fine, you know, to each their own. Um, it just it wasn't one I, I went back to. I just didn't see a lot of, you know, I didn't find a lot out of Hostel. But I know you've always had a... a and um, affection for Eli Roth's films, and I get that. Uh, I just love that, like every movie he's done is you know don't go camping, don't go to Europe, don't go to South America. You can't even fucking stay home, or hot saying, are going to ruin yeah. your life. <laughs> I was say knock knock, show you came and stay home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what does he do for, like at all? I mean Jesus Christ. But um, yeah, I I knew Hostel was going to make your
1: list. You love this movie, I do it. And, you know, it's one of those, like, you know, sometimes, like, in general, like, I get when people don't like my movies, obviously, we're all human work would be, like, different things. I really understand if people don't like Hostel. It's definitely one that I love. I'm not going to say gonna be like, "Oh, you want to get into, like, horror and the torture porn genre? Let me go grab Hostel. Sit sit, there, sit on that scene and buck up, buckaroo. Here we go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know that, like, while they'll enjoy those first 40 minutes, once it does that switch, that's when it's like, you're still with me there, bud. You gonna you gonna make it through the rest of this movie? You gonna watch that man's Achilles' heel get like completely eviscerated? Him try to get out, and then you see the quick shot of him disconnecting at the cut. You ready for that? Where you ready to see an eyeball dangling out of uh, someone's eye? Socket. You ready? <laughs> it's um,
0: I, I do like that it came from a from true events partially uh eli roth learning about red rooms on the dark web and how people are paying millions of dollars to walk into a room and shoot somebody in the head like yeah i believe that this shit like this is happening you know rich people kidnapping it you know people who won't be missed and torturing them because they can because they want to feel like you know they want to feel what it feels like to hurt somebody to kill somebody that scene with the the one guy the like he was in he was in monk he plays like a douchebag all the time and he's like getting himself pepped up to like i'm gonna do it what do i gotta what am i gonna do i'm gonna burn him i gotta cut him what am i gonna do and he, the other guy's like why don't you make it quick and he's like yeah make it quick what no it's a bad idea it's terrible <laughs> it's just, he's so fucking hopped up um, that scene made me laugh but yeah it's uh it's a it's a weird wild fucked up movie and you you really got to be prepared for what you're going into you don't just flip on hostile out of curiosity you got to know
1: what that is before yeah, you start watching it yeah that's like like it's for me yeah i can totally flip it on i'm fine yeah but like i completely understand like like it's not something i would just immediately try to be like let me just fucking show you this movie um because yeah one you have to be perfect torture two not to be like that uh, what virtue seeking dude but It being like Eli, a young Eli Roth in the two thousands, there is dialogue that if you're not down for it, it will fucking offend you. You gotta just with that shit. You gotta just realize this was two thousand five. You gotta lock
0: that shit up. You gotta keep it in two thousand five and watch it that way. Otherwise, you'll never be able to watch anything before like two thousand fifteen.
1: Yeah, look, I am totally with you. I'm just saying, like, definitely know your audience on that one because Eli Roth didn't care about Sunbirds words at all. Yeah, but that's not but, a surprise. Look at him. Yeah, and also, like, <laughs> look, I'll defend it in this case. It's about a bunch of obnoxious college dudes. What the fuck do you think coming out of their mouths? I'd argue that he
0: goes out of his way to make these guys unlikable so that you don't feel bad when they get tortured, that you are
1: intrigued. So that was the thing. So I, I watched the bonus features on this uh, Blu-ray because I have the Blu-ray of it, yeah. um, obviously. <laughs> um. You know, when he was talking about what he wanted to do to make the movie, you know, he brought up the Red Rooms, so he brought up the idea that, like, even like porn was becoming more and more extreme. And that's why, you know, that's why he made, if you notice, the film escalates. And that's why he said, like, it starts out like it's happy and there, you know, there's boobs and sex and fun stuff. And then just boom. And um, he said, when it came to the American characters, and he was again told, like, oh, why are they so obnoxious? He was, some people was like, that's the point. He's like, I need them to be obnoxious. They're representing that obnoxious American coming yep. to a foreign country and being arrogant, which is what pe- what people conceive us as. Yep. So Nobody wants like, to
0: watch two hours of nice people getting tortured by psycho <laughs> businessmen. That's horrible, but assholes. Yeah. People will watch that. Yeah. It, it takes the edge off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Good pick. Honestly, I thought that was going to be your number one. So now I don't know what to expect. I, I
1: told you, told you you're in for a surprise here, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very nice Okay, so my six The 2000s wasn't the best era For Stephen King adaptations But we did get some gems And 2007's The Mist Is one of those gems This is one of the most heartbreaking, Gut-wrenching Horror movies Fucking movies Ever made <laughs> The ending to this motherfucker hurts so bad. But everything building up to that is one of the most well-adapted King stories ever, and no surprise coming from Frank Darabont, I think, who, who I think should be the only guy who gets to touch Stephen King's work. But yeah, The Mist is such a great depiction of just society crumbling and people listening to the wrong people and just what happens when
1: emotions run
0: wild in a crisis and the scariest thing about this movie are not the monsters in the mist it's the people in the store who are manipulating the situation to become powerful uh fantastic movie
1: i i love it to death yeah it, uh you know what's funny when i first saw this film i hated it because of the ending it initially was the initial reaction was like fuck this movie yeah that's the reaction you have you're like how could you fucking do this to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> But then, like, I rewatched her and was like, you know what? I kind of fucking like this movie. <laughs> it's, it's like, and like, once you realize, like, you're like, you know what? The ending kind of works better than, admittedly, the short story's ending. Yeah.
0: King thought that too. He said he told Darabon, like, your ending's better.
1: Yeah. Like, it. it's not the payoff you want, it's the payoff you need. And it's such a gut punch. Like, it's one of those, like, to the point that like, as much as I love that movie, if I watch that, I have to know that I'm going to go do something joyful in my life right after. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I the performance. I think Thomas Jane
0: is amazing in this movie. Just it, the things he has to do, what he has to go through are gut-wrenching. And I am I was very impressed. And then Marsha Gay Harden plays such a psycho so well. Gosh, she is. Oh. God, Mrs. Carmody one of Stephen King's most evil scary villains I think
1: yeah uh, you know well that's the thing that I think like when you mentioned like Frank Darabont should be the only one he gets what what actually makes King work and it's not honestly the horror like he's a very great horror writer but what makes that work for so us well he's truly the best at: and has characters yes a man knows how to write characters and Darabont gets that in all his adaptations he's done of King yeah, and not
0: just not just that, but also just taking the story and putting it on film, not adding his own shit, not trying to, you know, act like he knows better than King, but just taking the story and translating it. He did that with Shawshank, Green Mile and The Mist, and all three were fucking great.
1: Yeah. Unlike, the you know, the very short lived Mist TV show on the defunct Spike TV. I didn't even bother. <laughs> I'm not going to ever. Yeah, I'm not watching that. Um. <laughs> No, this movie, yeah, dude, like, the, and the creature effects of this movie are actually, like, not bad. I know a lot, it seems like a good chunk was, like, CGI, but it still holds up. Like, a lot of it still looks really good. Well, it's, you know,
0: the idea of a crack in reality is formed, and these are creatures from beyond the, you know, the next dimension, and if you're a King fan, you know what these are. You know where they come from, and it's it's cool to have that connection, and they look free, you know, they're Lovecraftian tentacle giant behemoths it's frightening and i love that but also the idea that you don't know what you're capable of until you're faced with a situation like this you know people who are just your neighbors people who are just the kind old woman down the street or the religious you know god fearing maniac or just the plumber or the you know the butcher if they're trapped in a scenario like this they become different people they become monsters they become soldiers they become demons and it's all a matter of when and I love the slow burn of the mist. It starts out with just like, we're going to go get help and everything's going to be fine. It's just, a you know, it's a, it's a bad weather. And that turns into, we must kill the boy. It's the only way. It's fucking crazy. But it all makes sense. You believe the buildup. It's it's perfect.
1: I think to me, like one of the most terrifying scenes in that movie, and this was before I joined the military. So it's not because I'm in the military. But when she convinces everyone that that, that mm. poor military dude was the cause of it. Yeah. He talked about them doing experiments at the base Which, FRI Look, I'm not, spoiling, I'm not spilling secrets here Most military bases do secrets Okay? It's it's fucking the military, military. Right? Yeah, yeah, of course um, <laughs> And then they like They get him They fucking throw him out there to get like taken By the, those things And it's just like, oh, that to me Like that scene really stood out to me Even be, like as a kid, I'm just being like Oh no, he didn't do anything for me the
0: most the hardest moment is at the end when the car the truck full of survivors drives by and Melissa McBride is in the truck who and she took oh, off at the beginning yeah. of the movie and if they just left with her everything would have been fine. <laughs> oh that movie it's 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 such a great movie to watch but you really got to like you got to prepare
1: yourself like I'm going to watch the mist today. Prepare yourself, and you—if you have children—kiss them and tell them you love them.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: with the love of God.
0: <laughs> Ooh, brilliant! Ah, yeah, fantastic. I—I I love it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that, So, uh, with that for Oh number five, this is the first overlap I talked about. This oh. is Hatchet. I Hang had on. it at number five. Um, so for me, um, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I just, you know, Adam Green. He to me is a really awesome independent director. Like he, what he does for genre, what he does with his movies, I I loved everything he touches. Um, and this is all started here with Hatchet. And I remember seeing this again. It was kind of like Behind the Mask. You know, when I was a kid, I went on sites like Bloody Disgusting. And Dread Central and stuff all the time. Um, I remember when I finally got, like, my per- my mom gave me a subscription to Fangoya before it went out of print the first time. And I, that's how I found out about stuff. I'd hear about it all the time on the side and be like, oh, I really need to check this out. And that was Hatchet. Everyone talked about it all the time. And around the time the second film was coming out, and it was the big push to get, you know, released in theaters, unrated, and all that stuff was happening. I was like, well, I, I really want to see this first movie. And I, you know, again, Netflix... Watched it and I fell in love from like the the great mixture of comedy with the horror with the most insane that at that time to me the most insane I had witnessed in film. Cause <laughs> so I was just like, oh my god, like you said, when you said the the thing with the head games I was just my jaw as a kid dropped on the floor, just oh my god. And <laughs> It, uh, in this movie, just it just hits and likes about the cameos, for you know, Robert England, Tony Todd, Kane Hodder as Victor Crowley, um, John Cole Beagler. I, I probably butchered his last name somehow, as always. Uh, pops up for a quick little cameo. Like this film is just, it's made by a horror fan, meant for horror fans, and it shows in every frame of this movie and it just continued to show in every single sequel that we've gotten since. So I yeah I I fucking love hatchet.
0: Yeah I I loved watching all of them with you. They were they were fun as hell. (laughs) Yeah I knew this was gonna be on there. I'm glad I'm glad it was
1: um it was in the top five the big
0: dogs now. (laughs) Yeah we're in the big we're in the big five uh my number five is one of the creepiest, most wacko ghost movies I've ever seen. And, of course, it's also going to come from the mind of Stephen King. 2007's 1408. (laughs) This movie is so damn scary. And for a PG-13 ghost movie, I did not have very high expectations in regards to, you know, fear. But this, this thing got under my skin immediately. And it's become one of my favorite ghost movies. It's such a cool and easy premise. John Cusack's a writer who debunks haunted houses and f- finds out, you know, about this one in New York and is told by so many different people. Don't do this. Don't stay in that room. And of course he thinks it's all bullshit. So he's like, give me the key or I will sue you. And Sam Jackson's like, all right, I warned you. He goes in there and his entire life is turned upside down. And the whole time you're like, is he ever going to get out? Did he get out? Is he still in there? What's going on? It's it's great. It's so creepy and uh, like a really fun movie to watch around Halloween. I definitely do every Halloween. Um, I just bought it for the, uh, the the Voodoo account. So if if you don't have it, like you can watch it there.
1: But what a I, I what mean, a great movie! Pick it up, great movie. No, I'm, I'm I'm with you. This is like a standout Stephen King adaptation. Um, the way they play with space and time. Yeah. And to get inside his head to realize that he is literally in a situation where he is trapped in that Dude, when room. He, and no when he opens the window to try to get the and person's yeah, like, attention <laughs> and it's him. <laughs> oh, oh. It's it's just oh, this movie is just so unsettling and then like, and like you said that build up like that John Wick style build up of like you don't want to go in that room. Even the same attractions like, look, we do not rent this room to people. We don't want people going there. we've had too many incidents. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. This is, this is very under to me. It's almost become like an underrated Stephen King. out of say like, no one really talks about it. And I don't get that. And uh, John Cusack is fucking great in this movie. Yeah. I don't really,
0: I gotta say, I'm not a big Cusack fan, but he's
1: fantastic in this.
0: Um, uh, And you are just with him the whole time, so I'm glad he was good. But I believe that he's a burned-out writer who doesn't believe in anything anymore. And, of course, that's the guy who's going to meet real evil for the first time.
1: Yeah, and I think it works, too, because with casting him, I mean, you had, like, one of the biggest biggest 80s, 90s actors at that time that wasn't really doing a lot at that point in his career in in that 2000 period, playing a character that kind of, you know, reflected his own self and i think he was able to really tap into that for the performance and it shows because i thought he was fucking fantastic like you yeah. like you said
0: the scene where he gets out and like he's at the beach with his wife and they're like reconnecting and he goes to the mailbox and all of a sudden the walls fall down and he's still in the fucking room <laughs> and he starts yes. screaming like i was out i was out
1: oh my god the uh was it? The theatrical ending. I don't, I don't, this is one of the few kids where so I don't really like the director's cut ending all that much. The one where it's like, I think it's like a ghost pops up in his fucking car. It's kind of stupid. But the theatrical one where it's like he plays a tape recorder to his wife because okay. she doesn't believe him and he fucking plays it and he can hear his dead daughter's fucking voice. Oh, like what a way to send chills right up your spine right before the credits roll. And that look he gives her like <laughs> yeah you believe me now <laughs> i i yeah i um
0: i i prefer the theatrical ending as well i didn't actually i don't think i've seen the director's cut um but that doesn't sound great
1: yeah i think i would have to relook it up but i remember something like he thinks he gets out he gets in the car and he sees like like ghosts of his daughter there, and he turns around and i think he like pops back in the room or something like it didn't sound great i think they went i think i don't know if the studio mandated or if he just was like maybe let's try this ending instead. Yeah, because I mean, really yeah. this is a case where like I I'm I'm all for like the nihilistic like bleak ending. It does they don't bother me, but in this case, I was happy to see a good ending. <laughs> I needed
0: to know he got out of there. It's just it's you get invested in it. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, I I needed to know that he survived. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I I'm glad I I wanted to shout that out because you're right. People just. Don't talk about this movie enough.
1: Oh, you know, it's like it's it's weird because you know, like like the mist. I've heard plenty of people keep talking about the mist and love for the mist still going, but like fortunately for some reason just kind of slipped. And I was like, Yeah, I remember watching going, This is really good. I don't see why no one's really talking about it. It's a great movie. Yeah, my uh my grandma
0: who never watches horror movies, she hates them so much, she gets so easily scared. My uncle took her to see this thinking it wouldn't be that scary. Uh, they were wrong and uh, she still we bring that up all the time it's one of his biggest fuck ups we talk about it whenever this movie comes up every Halloween we're like hey want to watch 1408 again (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah so
1: (laughs) good times that's good all right number four all right this one it's an upcoming episode, Connor Is it? It is hmm. It is a movie that has stuck with me Since the first day I've watched it Much like the other ones I've already mentioned But it's a favorite It's my personal favorite from this director It it does such a great job Being horrific before the scary shit actually happens And then just ratches up And the scary shit happens And that would be Neil Marshall's The Descent
0: We have Overlap
1: Oh damn <laughs> <laughs> So I'll save my bit Take it away Alright for me I I or even begin So like I had seen Dog Soldiers on TV First and I remember going oh I really like this movie Not knowing that I was the same director And then like you know this came out And this was a case where like it came out And I just seen them around so much About it and, and I you know again rented it Watched it and I, I fell in love. Like, he does such a great job of first doing to me like three things within this movie. First is setting up the characters. Yeah. You get a very distinct look into the relationships, who these people are, why you should care about them before we do, before the, the plot really kicks in. And then the second part is that he does a great job of claustrophobia and fear before the fucking monsters even come in. I remember watching this. The first time I watched it, you know, being a kid, I was like, oh, I'm watching my room. Turn the lights off. And I did that. And I remember watching it, and I felt claustrophobic in my fucking room watching this. I was just like, uh... I felt kind of off. Like, I'm in a wide room, but them in these caves make me feel like I'm closed in now. And then, like, when he finally gets to the monsters, it's like, you know, this could be in a part that could have gone the other way so easily, right? Like all this great buildup, all this great character could have quickly gone away, but it doesn't. It just he just ratches it up even more and goes for broke with that ending, and it just works so well because he commits to it, and I love the commitment. And God, there's so many great scenes, like the I mean, you got the fucking scene where she gets stuck and they're scrambling her out. It's terrifying. Um, even low scenes when they're like, what do you mean there's not a fucking map? You don't know this cave? Like, I was the viewer and I was scared for them because I could just, I put myself in that situation. Like, I'm smoking with them and now you're telling me, no, I don't know the way out and we're stuck. What? <laughs> if
0: nothing else that movie taught me, always tell at least one other person where you're going.
1: Yes. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and then like God, there's the creature effects are so fucking good in this movie. Like they're good, and then all the gore. Ooh, Carnage Mm -hmm. Candy when that pops up is stellar, and very influential. People don't realize it, but that whole scene where she falls into the like the pool of blood, and then like her head comes out. Tomb Raiders copied that. Like so many movies and TV and games since have copied that fucking scene, because it's just so fucking good. And yeah, I oh, um, the less said about the super shitty sequel, the better. <laughs> I know you're going to do research for the upcoming episode, but have fun with that, buddy. Um, <laughs> again, this is a uh, this film has two different endings. For those who wonder why I lay I lay in the British ending, I believe is the one where she is revealed to actually still be stuck down there. I think that's the better ending. I don't. This was a, I know I literally just said. But fortunately I wanted the happy ending. In this case, because of what the movie's doing and its themes, I actually feel cheated when she in the American ending. I it doesn't need a happy ending. I this movie's British ending is the one to go for because it fits the rest of the film we're given. Yeah, I I want an ending
0: that works for the movie, regardless of whether or not it's happy or, or you know sad. It needs to be a it needs to make sense for the whole film to to end on. And yeah, just that.
1: Ah, yeah, I'll say I'll, I'll save
0: my piece, but I fucking
1: love that movie. Yeah, I, I, I should have known when I saw this. I was like, oh, yeah, this might be overlap, because I know how much you like this movie, too. I do. so I really do. Yeah, mind me, this is my number four, so just wait. Oh, my top three now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> my number four
0: is another movie that I didn't expect to be as scary because it, it was PG-13, and I thought, I usually think PG-13 kind of holds back. What, it, what a film is capable of, especially with horror. But holy shit, did Sam Raimi take this PG-13 movie to the extreme with 2009's Drag Me to Hell? <laughs> that movie is so fucking unnerving. Uh, a great ghost, you know, kind of demon uh, movie about this lady who pisses off the wrong gypsy woman and gets cursed to be dragged into hell in three days and the journey there is quite interesting it's just watching her deal with jump scares and monsters and Sam Raimi-esque goat creatures as this shit just keeps happening to her and it's so creepy the music is brilliant I, and again an ending that is just makes sense and is so fucking like wow
1: <laughs> oh dude that ending still like it's the interesting long's face <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: This from like, Hey, I found my, uh, I I found your button in my car. Do you have my coin? Like just knowing like, Oh my God, you start just, you're just like, what? Oh no. (laughs) And then it just happens and you're just, Oh my God. That, that movie I think is one of the most like brilliant depictions of what you can do with a PG 13 rating and still pull off a brilliant, scary horror movie.
1: Yeah. No, it, to me, like, I actually watched this with my family. I remember when I got, I was like, that guy I was like, oh my God, drag me to hell. And I convinced my whole family to watch with me because it was PG 13. <laughs> and I think I was the only one that had fun the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But, yeah, I saw this know, with my mom. We, we had a good time. I think, like, Sam Raimi really proves that, you no. Know, you know he's he can't he can do more than just evil Dead, right he can really push to the limits of a PG thirteen rating and a fun horror film where once. you just trading the blood for a lot of gooey gooey effects there. Um, <laughs> the scene where she like
0: it's the demon like shoves her entire arm into her mouth is just
1: god. You know what? You know what? Seemed gross me out when like the embalming fluid got on her when she flipped the fucking casket over. Oh, you know I'm just bad. like Whoa. I'm like, oh, God.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's so many gross-out moments. This feels like a spiritual successor to Evil Dead.
1: Yeah, and I think it, I think one thing that kind of, like, only bugs me, it's more like the horror community. Sometimes I feel like, whereas the horror community has, like, really claimed this film, I feel like matriarchs have, like, let Evil Dead overshadow this movie. Yeah, a lot of people are like, "Oh, Sam Raimi did this," and it's like, "Yeah, he does more than just Evil Dead and the Spider-Man movies." Yeah, I mean, you know, watch Drag Me to Hell, watch Darkman.
0: Like the dude is a talented filmmaker. Quick in the Dead, he's done some cool shit. And yeah, I, I love Evil Dead too, but he is he is more than that. And yeah. Drag Me to Hell showed just what he can what else <sighs> he can do. And I, I I
1: hope he brings some of that flavor to Doctor Strange too. Oh, dude, same. Same. And I think what made to me, like, tragedy Hill so special is that it was marketed smartly as Sam Raimi's return to horror. Because it was off of his, the third Spider-Man movie. Yeah. So he was done with Spider-Man and it was like, I remember hearing about that. The horror community was just like, oh my god, Sam Raimi's coming back to horror. He's directing a new horror movie. Like, people were losing their fucking minds. Because it's Sam Raimi coming back, not to do Evil Dead, an original horror film that he came up with
0: yeah oh what a blast this movie so so much fun creep i did it we uh, austin and i did it on filmgasm early on and i i watched it kind of forgetting just exactly how like fucking scary it was and i i had a moment of like whoa and turned on the lights in my apartment and i was just like i I gotta i i can't do this in the dark (laughs) it it really freaked me out i was impressed (laughs) very good
1: very, very good. All right. Top three. Ooh. Number three is a film that is a part of my rotation every October. I love this movie. I have various merchandise. It has one of the cutest mass murders in all of horror history. Number three, trick or treat.
0: Yep. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Take it away.
1: This is one of the best examples of how to do an anthology movie. Instead of a wraparound story, it's just it weaves in and out of various stories, which I love. Everything feels connected, and it's done very well. And to me, of all you know, we always have those films we watch on Halloween, right? We always have our October rotation. I have mine, you have yours, Shosh has his, and I'm sure Austin has his as well. To me, out of all those movies I've watched, though, very few of them evoke the Halloween spirit. And this movie does that so, so well. It It's not just a horror movie. It is a Halloween movie to me. And again, like Sam, I know he's murdering people, but he's fucking adorable. <laughs> yeah. That little sack is the cutest goddamn thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, and if you like and I just I love to defend this movie a lot too because it got so mistreated by the studio. Like it should have been a theatrical release, but they didn't believe in it, so they went sent it straight to fucking DVD. Because they were like, Oh, no one's gonna watch it, just quickly dump it out there on DVD. It became a massive hit beyond the horror community, like it, it latched on. Like people were like, Why didn't this get released in theaters? To the point that you know. Sam is an icon of the genre now. This movie is considered a, going to be considered a classic whenever that time period hits for it. It's viewed. I'm not the only one that watches it every Halloween. Tons of people do. I mean, this this film, and we've it keeps getting a sequel that keeps getting teased that we have yet to get. But like, this film became such a huge hit and just a triumphant victory of like, fuck you, you don't always know what you're talking about, studio. And I just, oh, I love this man of death. I I can't wait to watch it this October since that's coming up.
0: Yeah, Trick or Treat's a fun movie. Uh, it's maybe the only time I've ever seen somebody killed with a lollipop.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a, or a werewolf transformation scene where, you know, Marilyn Manson's Street Dreams is playing. Yeah.
0: Oh, this is, a, this is a good one. This was our um, I think the first uh, October for the Filmgasm podcast, we did this film uh, for you. You requested it. And uh, we had a blast. We got to talk about the origins of Halloween and the whole where jack-o'-lanterns come from, that idiot stingy Jack who kept fucking with the devil. One of my favorite stories I ever found out for this. And just a blast talking about that movie. And um, Austin loved it and I enjoyed it and I keep meaning to pick it up. I definitely would like to watch that again this Halloween. Uh, yeah, totally uh, one of your favorites. Knew that was coming. Top three makes sense.
1: Yeah, I love this. And like the the little gore in that one and the, the story about them tricking her with the school bus of kids. Yeah, I hope my daughter's like that. She was adorable. I want that to be my daughter. <laughs> Never if I ever have one. I have
0: Yeah, your kid's going to be the biggest horror nut the world's ever fucking seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my number three is one we've already brought up, uh, The Descent. <laughs> this, like, you, you covered up pretty much everything I was going to say. It's the claustrophobic nature, the brilliant characters, the creature design, and just the idea of, you know, being trapped underground for miles away from anybody is so terrifying. The tightness of the, of the path is so creepy and cringy and just there, you know, the, the fract the relationship being fractured with this as we go along is so realistic, but more than anything, it's just how unbelievably frightening this movie is. I watched this for the first time with my dad. It was the, the day before I moved to Texas. My dad drove up to, to our house from Virginia Beach. to spent a couple of days with me. And um, he brought a whole bunch of horror movies. And we had a triple feature of Resident Evil, Paranormal Activity, and The Descent. And this was in the middle of the night in an empty house, which was not... The, paranormal Activity got under my skin, but The Descent fucked with my head.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Dude, especially like if you have a good sound system, because if you like the sound, qual- that's something I forgot. The sound on this movie when the creatures come to play is top notch. Like have a good sound system for this movie, you will be rewarded. It's been a minute since I since I watched this. I'm, I've been
0: I'm saving my my next watch for the uh, upcoming episode. But if I recall, the creatures come out of fucking nowhere, right?
1: Yeah. So there's like you know, there's this scene. Where they're in this big pit and they're recording on the camera. Yeah, that's what and I'm talking about. Part, like, hey, wait, do you hear that? And she flips the camera to her friend and it's just standing there behind her. Mm. I jumped so fucking hard in my room when I saw this for the first time. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Was- I made my bed shake. I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I
0: love this. I was I have a British version of the Blu-ray, so it's like the default ending. And... Uh, it's just such a brilliant tale of isolation of claustrophobia of trusting the wrong people of being trapped with monsters of like, just, I remember there's a scene where somebody like breaks their leg and you see the bone and they're like, they're fucked. (laughs) It's just God. And I love that. Like you don't even need the monsters for this to be an absolutely terrifying horror film, but the monsters are just gravy. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's literally like just cherry on top. Just you're already fucking kind of tense doing all that claustrophobia and then being stuck. And then he's just like, Oh, you also want monsters to add to this fucking nightmare of a situation.
0: <laughs> yeah. What a, what a movie, what a powerful, terrifying movie. And, uh, I can't wait to show. I think my, um, my mom's kind of the only person I can watch horror films with. Cause the rest of my family can't fucking handle it. So <laughs> I, uh, I don't think she's seen this one. So I may, maybe this, uh, October's the time to show her The Descent.
1: Do it. Plus it's I hate to do this, but it's like the last great great film I've that I've watched personally from now, Marshall. I'm so waiting for him to give me something awesome since The Descent and Dog Soldiers. Yeah, and I
0: fucking I really like Dog Soldiers. I'm glad you showed me that one. Didn't quite make my list, but it is a badass werewolf movie.
1: Yeah, I told you man, it's it's a fun fucking werewolf movie. <laughs> Very nice. Top two. What do you got? All right. For number two, it's so another director I love to death. He's currently working on a new movie that I will not name until I name the movie. I know exactly. <laughs> so what you might know things. who exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's also a world famous musician that I love to death, <laughs> and this, this is his magnum opus. Number two, the Devil's Rejects. Yep. <laughs> Oh, boy. This is another movie, much like Hostel. I won't just throw really nilly to a newbie because uh, they may not be prepared. But if you are prepared, you're in for a treat. You're in for a movie that is so fucking tense throughout. Great performances across the board from the cast. Some of the most disturbing fucking scenes you will watch, for those who Want to know what it looks like when someone puts a gun in someone's underwear? This movie does it. And so many iconic lines that I still remember, mainly thanks to uh, Bill Mosley's character. But this movie just rocks. And if you like, if you're, I highly recommend you check out House Styles of is first because it's actually the first movie. And you'd be surprised at that this was the style that he went for the sequel because it's such a tonal shift. From that first movie, and it works. I just, I, to me, like Rob Zombie. As much as I have liked a lot of his stuff post over Reshax, this is to me his magnum opus, like the best he's ever done. I'm, I'm thinking Monsters might be like up there. I think he might have some good shit when we get the Monsters movie sometime next year. I'm assuming, but this has been always one of my favorites, my favorite film of his. You think Bill Mosley's gonna play Herman Munster? Or Grandpa Munster, Grandpa, he's in, he's got to be in that movie. <laughs> he has to be. You know, Rob Zombie works with the same people. You think he'll be like the the beard and everything for for the movie? <laughs> um, oh, the Devil's Rejects.
0: Uh, I I saw this movie with zero context. My uncle watched it, and for some reason, recommended it to me. I don't know why. This was back when it just came out. Uh, like God, it had just come out on DVD and my uncle rented it um from I think like he rented this from Blockbuster or this is like right when Netflix was getting going but we had a copy in the house and I watched it and I was like kind of like disturbed the whole time like what is this why are we enjoying this <laughs> and the scene where they like otis and they uh, take the like country singing family hostage and cuts off the guy's face and makes the girl wear it like what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> and then how it turns into a revenge thriller with the the Firefly family becoming
1: the victims. That was so cool. Yeah, and he he expertly flips it and makes you kind of care about these horrendous people because the sheriff is so fucking nasty too in this movie. I'm looking it up right now because it's I think it it's fucking <laughs> evading me. I think it's
0: William, Forsyth, William
1: Forsythe. I think it is was it Forsythe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is okay. Thank you. i have fucking mind blanking. But he, him, honestly, William Forsythe and Bill Moseley are my two favorites in this movie. They fucking crush it. And William Forsythe has that great line where he gets mad that Groucho mocks dude. Because apparently, he doesn't like. It. He think he insults Elvis. And Then he makes him leave off. He's like, fuck Groucho.
0: <laughs> I I remember it's been a good long while since I've seen this movie. I'm honestly surprised you haven't brought this to the podcast yet.
1: Um we have to do films on order and there, so technically I gotta do House of Thousand Corpses first. Why haven't you brought that to the podcast <laughs> Building up to it, leave me alone. <laughs>
0: um yeah, I remember the soundtrack is so impeccable. Um the free bird scene is fucking art. It's Incredible ending, which I think is kind of you know ruined a little by the
1: existence of a third movie. Just don't watch three from hell. How the hell did they survive a hail of gunfire like that? I was really hoping for a solid, like tonal shift explanation, and I got Devil's Rejects part two. Oh, okay.
0: That's a bummer. But yeah, um Freebird, um, Terry Reed's Seed of Memory, one of my favorite songs in the end credits. It's it's such an odd movie. It's it feels like it's a Rob Zombie take on a crime drama almost. But of course it's a horror movie because it's Rob Zombie. But it feels yeah, like yeah. if he was going to do a crime movie, this is what it would be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I agree yeah. with that. I, get, it, I'm, yeah. I thought that might have been your number one also. So really, I have no fucking clue what your number one is. It, look, I actually, my number one and my number two here, I was like, oh shit, how am I going to do this? Because... I, it took me a while. I was debating it for a while. Because I, I do love this movie. I love this fucking movie to death. It did kind of ruin Tommy uh, pickles for me because uh I found out that the you remember the scene where they're at the the um the whore house and the chicks talking about giving a hand job, a very detailed explanation that actress voices Tommy Pickles and someone told me that <laughs> and I, I was a massive Ruckrats fan as a kid. And I oh, was like, oh god. <laughs> Oh, 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 that's fucked up.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's also where I got the line, you know, you want to see badass motherfucker? I'll show you badass motherfucker.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's time. It's been like, what, 16 years since I saw the devil's think <laughs> It's time to watch it again.
1: Exactly. And then you can, you know, walk on going 2 D fucking fruity. <laughs> all day or you know sid hagan that clown scene when you remember the scene with the kid he's like Are you, do you like clowns yeah. i want i better fucking come back you may have a good fucking reason why you don't like clowns <laughs> <laughs> it's so over
0: the top my god but it it weirdly works i don't understand right. how that movie works but it does
1: It works so well. The whole—I mean—he has a whole scene with the guys talking about chicken fucking, and it's hilarious. He—I'm just saying—he looks like he fucks. I don't fuck chickens. You fuck (laughs) chickens.
0: Oh my god! What the fuck? Yeah. All right. I'm—I gotta go back to that one. Mine. Oh, yeah such a great movie well done my number two is one of my favorite movies uh, one of my favorite horror comedies ever made and the beginning of one of the most flawless trilogies in film history 2004's Shaun of the Dead
1: oh solid
0: <laughs> oh my god what a, what a fantastic movie this is a celebration of zombie films <coughs> like so many little nods like the restaurant being called Falchi's <laughs> like little things like that you know it's it's such a fun movie and does not skimp on the gore it's a full blown horror movie that just happens to be a, a, a zombie rom-com in the middle of it it's it's funny as hell the characters are vibrant and unforgettable it's got like you know i I've, i I've I've, I've I've adopted um fuck a doodle doo into my vernacular That's <laughs>
1: just something i say now I think one of my favorite lines <laughs> get fucked four eyes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I always like the scene where they're passing the group that looks exactly like them. Would anyone like
0: a peanut? <laughs> There's so many so many lines in this movie. You got oh right on god. you. <laughs> but also like like the scene where he has to shoot his mom is so heartbreaking and done so well as a, you know, a real moment, in a like it becomes a full blown horror movie there. And, you know, David trying to take charge of the group and, you know, it's, it works. But then like, you know, you got <laughs> Ed's whole obsession with Sean's mom. is so funny. <laughs> Just, Oh yeah. That's a, uh, it's such a fun movie. I watch that movie every couple months. It's just comfort food to me. All three of the Cornetto trilogy are comfort food to me. Shaun of the Dead's where it began, and it. I know that the uh, the Giggle Guys covered this a few months ago, but I I want to bring this one to FilmGasm because I just I want to talk about this in depth. I love this movie to death.
1: No, it's it's, it's such a good movie that gave us so much talent. You know, yeah. I mean, we got Simon Pegg and Nick Frost out of it. We got Edgar fucking Wright. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. it it was a it really like for all of them it was what i would say the most perfect showcase i know they did space so before anyone comes to me i know space they did that before this yeah but on uh, i guess on uh, i guess more grand scale if you will really showcase their talents and paid off and then because now there are fucking big time players in the industry as well they should be they deserve it they're they're fantastic, yeah. I mean, I still laugh as they had the record scene when they're throwing the records. <laughs> Batman soundtrack, drunk it. Side of the times, definitely not. Like just,
0: I love that. Um, all the little dialogue that like becomes important later, like when they're talking about you know what we should do tomorrow. You know, have a bloody mary first thing. Uh bite at the king's head a couple with the little princess stagger back here and bang we're back at the bar for shots he's describing the fucking movie (laughs) that's so brilliant the the writing is so smart with these movies and it's so great i love when (laughs) if you leave me now comes on the the jukebox after liz dumps him and Ed's just like they'll put this on and sean tearfully goes it's on
1: random Right. i like when he actually hits them with the dart when they're attacking that one <laughs> right in the fucking head <laughs> oh
0: my god yeah this is a classic
1: <laughs> yeah, this is a, oh such a such a good fucking movie oh yeah wonderful
0: all right here we are moment of truth what is your number one pick
1: my number one is the final piece of the trifecta of my favorite horror director puzzle. And there's only one way to introduce this movie. If it's October, it must be Saw. Yeah, this was a love lap. I this was while I was tossed between this and Devil's Rejects. Um, I ultimately went with Saw because it I love those rejects, but this one has so much more of an impact. In- Impact and influence on me. Yeah, I mean, if you're my friend, like you are, and anyone who knows me, I fucking love the Saw franchise. Yes, you do. <laughs> and it all started with this movie. Um, I remember how I ended up on this movie was that one day it was on Showtime, and my dad's like, "Hey, this that Saw movie um, we've been hearing about. It. I, said, I think the third movie was like in theaters when I when this happened." And he's like, "You." Uh, it's supposed to be like, I kept hearing about it. They got the third movie out. You want to watch it? And I was like, yeah. You know, to his credit, he hated that movie, but I loved it. <laughs> I fell in love with the, the theme and the story and the iconic character in, you know, John Kramer, a.k.a. Chigsaw, the fucking twist that I, look, I get it. You know, I know there's always that person's like, I saw the twist coming. Fuck off. You did not see the twist coming in Saw. That's the one movie I will challenge you and call your bullshit. You did not see that. I don't know anyone who legitimately saw that twist happening. I I knew about the twist before I saw the movie, regrettably, but I still fucking loved it. Yeah, it, it's oh, it's beautiful and it's like a good twist. You go back and you watch it; it holds up like it makes sense. You can be like, oh, okay. And I know they did some like more explanation in later sequels. I think it was like Saw four or five that they explain it more. Um, But yeah And you know This was the film That like I actually will usually Try to convince people To watch this one Because a lot of people are like Well Saw Star Torture Point I was like Really Saw 2 Kicked off Torture Point For the Saw franchise This one's a lot More psychological And plays a lot more To what James Vaughn Is known for Yeah What he likes and I say, like, like, don't if you don't want to watch, like, the Grizzly stuff, you don't have to watch sequels, but give the first one a chance. It's iconic for a reason. It's one of the highest-grossing fucking horror films. It spawned a franchise that's still fucking going. And it gave us, like, the, one of the biggest names in modern horror directing in James Bond, Leigh Ronell. Like, it, it did so much and became such a huge hit, and it has not left me since. It's such a fucking favorite of mine.
0: Yeah, I feel bad that we did it before you
1: officially joined the
0: show. <laughs> I wish you'd gotten to do the first one. Well, you get to do two through two through eight. So you already did spiral. So good on you, mate. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that makes perfect sense. I don't know why I'm surprised. <laughs> I got the tattoo on my arm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well done. Yeah, saw, of course. Surprised none of the
1: sequels made your top ten. I I didn't want it to get too sequel heavy, so I said, you know what? Let me just pick one. I'll go with the original. So
0: I guess it was the Devil's Rejects, your only sequel.
1: All uh, right, I guess technically Freddy versus Jason does that count as a sequel?
0: Yeah, it does. Okay, do so you have yeah. a couple? Um, I I didn't have any sequels. Um, my number one is one of. The greatest horror films of all time. Um, maybe an argument could be made. Well, no, I won't say that. I'll piss off Josh. Never mind. Um, <laughs> we stop recording. I have to hear this. You will. I'll tell you. <laughs> we stop recording. I don't need that shitstorm. Um, so,
1: one thing I'm like really weary of text later. Like, what? <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> it's gonna happen regardless. God damn it. Anyway, um, one thing I love in horror is realism. And especially when you have something on such a grand scale as this, to make it feel real, to make it feel like this could actually happen, is quite a feat of filmmaking talent. And it happened in 2002's 28 Days Later.
1: I'm not surprised I know how much you love that movie. My God. One of the most insane Movies ever,
0: just I you know, a man-made virus gets out and causes the complete destruction of the United Kingdom. I I buy that, especially with,
1: with the, the, the shit movie. we're dealing with
0: now with COVID. Like fuck. you
1: know what's scary? The movie got scarier like the past year and a half when COVID. It was like, oh shit, we about have a twenty-eight days later scenario.
0: Austin and I did this on FilmGasm like right around the time COVID started really happening. And we did it as kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing. And looking back, probably pretty insensitive.
1: <laughs> it's been a—I've had a year to reflect on that. And I'm like, maybe we should have waited. Gosh, we somehow get like rich and famous, and that's what brings us down? You see that time I did the episode tongue-in-cheek right during the COVID po- apocalypse, assholes? Hey, hey, we
0: didn't do 28 weeks later when the Delta variant exploded. So I think you know a little restraint. <laughs>
1: Anyway, so, look, luckily any more variants come out. There's no 28 months later yet or ever. So
0: we'll do like outbreak or contagion or something. Andromeda strain, something like that. <laughs> um, there's plenty of virus movies out there. Uh, but 28 days later is the best. Uh, Killian Murphy, Brendan Gleason, Christopher Eccleston is such a psycho. Naomi Harris. What a great cast. Danny Boyle kills it. Um, the scene where Jim wakes up and just London is empty. I mean, how terrifying just at at that point, you're not quite sure what happened. Like if the the first time you're watching this, you just know like a virus got out, but what did it do? And just Jim walking around London is such a unsettling feeling. Uh, The idea that the infection is instant. You've got like 12 seconds to kill the guy or they're going to turn and kill you. Like make that
1: decision. Oh, my God. That opening to me, like second viewing, it's actually creepier because when you know what the fuck's going on in that movie, it actually kind of tensed me up more. Because I'm like, dude, stop. <laughs> Get to safety. You're not safe out there. No, I mean, yeah, The Walking
0: Dead ripped it off. You know, Jim waking up from a coma into an apocalyptic world. Pretty obvious.
1: Uh, but if you're going to steal, why not steal from the best? Yeah, right. Just adopt a really, you know, faked Southern accent, <laughs> Carl. <laughs> She's dead, Carl. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> but I think what really puts this film in number one for me—it's not just that it's a great zombie movie, or I mean, Infected, whatever. It's a zombie movie. Shut the fuck up.
1: <laughs>
0: it's, um, it's this—it's when we start when we meet the soldiers. And that's when we think, oh, help has arrived. But no, these are sex starved, lonely soldiers who have not seen women in a very long time. And they don't care about, you know, buying them dinner first. They're going to rape these women and it's going to hurt and they're going to do it forever. And then like Chris freckleson their major, major Henry West tells Jim, I promised them women. And I, you know, I'll lose control of them if I don't give them women. Then it turns into a completely different horror film. And it's it's scarier that these guys are what they're willing to, what they became with this world. And then Jim just going fucking Manhunter on them is so satisfying. It's it's great. Um, I think this is Danny Boyle's masterpiece. It's my favorite Killian Murphy performance. My favorite Brendan Gleeson performance. Well, maybe In Bruges is up there. But it's such a powerhouse of a movie that I see I, I take something new away from every time I watch it and it was the first it's I knew this was gonna be my number one when we started this this is hands down one of my all-time favorite movies and I'm glad I got to do this
1: <laughs> oh yeah dude you know what I always think like makes that movie work so well is the camera work for that movie yeah they purposely go it's not found footage but they purposely go for a very shaky handheld style to yeah. get you into that feeling Well, they filmed it with video cameras. They didn't use film. They used,
0: you know, handhelds. They used video cameras. And it adds to this just tone. It's It feels real. And I just, with COVID, that movie's become infinitely scarier just because of what could happen if something even more powerful than COVID ever got into the public that's, you know, killing us instantly. Like, this happens overnight.
1: Yeah, well, it's like the idea of like the virus, and like you touched on with the the soldiers, and again, well, we're kind of not to the extreme in this movie but we have been seeing what people during this pandemic how people are acting. um Yeah, you know, yeah, the idea that like it's not just the virus you need to be scared of it is people you need to be scared of because when rules are gone, when society has collapsed, yeah, people can be the most terrifying thing ever.
0: Yeah, reminds me of the uh, episode, the season. T- uh, 10 10 finale of The Walking Dead Where we meet Where we uh, learn Negan's backstory And in the final moments When he's talking to that biker gang guy And he has him tied up And he tells him you know I didn't know what I was capable of But now I think I'm capable Of damn near anything (laughs) Like what a horrifying realization About yourself that you can do Anything Whatever needs to be done you can do it That is fucking terrifying I hope I'm never in a situation where I realize, like, I'll do what needs to be done. I don't ever want to lose my humanity like that.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's terrifying. Quick tangent, I really like seeing Jeffrey Dean Warren slip back into that old Negan role for a quick second in that episode. I was like, oh, it's back. It's old Negan. That was nice. Leather jacket, baseball bat. That's motherfucking Negan. Yeah, he meant business yeah <laughs> but yeah it's like yeah no i agree with you and like honestly this is a case where again like the sequel to me is just as good like mm. i think 28 weeks later really fucking did a great job of expanding from what 28 days later put put out like to the point that like i'm like i'm, I'm still slightly upset the little movie fan of me is a little upset that i haven't got 20 months later because I, I wanted that though and i'm like you guys aced it twice yeah Killian
0: Murphy came out recently and said like he wants to do 28 months later he wants to play Jim Again he wants to do that With that What's stopping anybody like Bring Anymore, that I mean apparently, In a post pandemic world This movie would be such a hit I mean god damn uh, Yeah but I agree with you 28 weeks later is a fantastic sequel Very underrated just as scary uh, Wonderful yeah Goddamn. We gotta do more of these. These this was a blast.
1: Yeah. I had a lot of fun doing this instead of, you know, dealing with a shit movie weekend. Yeah. I think we had a lot more fun than if we'd be here talking about a shitty musical. Yeah, I had more fun going over my very formative years of horror over a shitty musical. Yeah. Let's uh let's go ahead and
0: recap our list for the audience. Go go ahead and recap your top ten.
1: All right. My top ten. So ten, pitch black. 9, Freddy versus Jason. 8, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 2003. 7, Behind the Mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon. 6, Hostel. 5, Hatchet. 4, The Descent. 3, Trick or Treat. 2, The Devil's Rejects. And 1, Saw. I want to play Very a game. Nice. <laughs> Very nice.
0: Uh, mine was number 10, Hatchet. Number 9, Slither. Number 8, Signs. Number 7, Saw. Number six, The Mist. Number five, 1408. Number four, Drag Me to Hell. Number three, The Descent. Number two, Shaun of the Dead. Number one, 28 Days Later. 20 fantastic films, mostly. I think we did a great job here.
1: I, I think we aced it. I think we really, uh, we've revealed a bit about our ourselves during this decade. That's what and these we'll do. it's what, what the top tens do. They reveal... What we really, really like about certain
0: degrees of film, and I think that's the best part of this, is learning about each other.
1: Yeah, like your list, much more fun films overall. Mine a lot of violent. Yeah, shit. you're clearly
0: into much darker shit than I am. <laughs> but is that that's hardly a revelation for me?
1: I know. That God, God bless any like future friend or like. Girlfriend that's just not aware. She's like, what kind of music? Like I'm like, how about you go first? <laughs> let me let me engage what you say.
0: I hope they are ready for some pig squealing metal and a dude just getting his dick ripped off and hostile too. Because that's the relationship.
1: <laughs> I'm so glad you brought the pig squealing metal. <laughs> I've showed so many people that song, <laughs> and I get the same reaction every time. <laughs> My
0: God! To put that in perspective, I have recently uh, just gotten into Alanis Morissette, so yeah, I feel like in kindergarten you would have kicked my ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was so much fun. Uh, we're definitely gonna be doing more stuff like this in the future on Sneak Preview when it's uh, stuff comes out that we don't want to devote two hours to uh next week not that uh we're gonna be we got some legitimately exciting movies to cover in theaters we got the long-awaited release of venom let there be carnage very excited and in theaters and hbo max we've got the even longer awaited release of the many saints of Newark. i don't know which one i'm more excited about venom to finally getting to see carnage for the first time on the big screen or tony soprano's formative years i'm i'm so excited
1: I'm Venom two, but that's only because I
0: haven't seen Sopranos. I know. Oh, I'm so glad I rewatched the series recently. It's all fresh. This is going to be so much fun. Um, and uh, also, we have the Adams Family two and the Guilty uh, next week, but it's pretty clear where our priorities are.
1: <laughs> so, I like the first Adams Family, but it wasn't like the greatest animated film I ever watched in my life.
0: I don't care for Illumination. I, I think they're like a D-grade DreamWorks studio. I don't like their, their films.
1: Yeah, they're okay. And then The Guilty, I'm just going to sit there for like two hours and hope that Jake all showered for someone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am going to look at the Tomatoes score, and if it's, if it's positive, I'll, I'll give it a watch. But I don't remember the last positive Netflix movie.
1: I can't fucking remember that's fucking sad. I feel like them and Paramount Plus are competing for like, you can put out the diverse films. Which is convenient because <laughs> and- both of them have some big horror franchises that was supposed to be coming out in October. <laughs> so let's mine out.
0: And then Peacock's sitting over here not giving James McAvoy a script. Like, Wait, hold my beer, I can fuck this up too. <laughs> oh, well, they're getting Halloween so that'll give them a lot of uh, subscribers. And They have a good output. Peacock's got, you know, a lot of options.
1: Yeah. And if the rumors are true, they'll have the Monsters movie that uh, Rob Zombie's doing. The rumor is that that's going to be a Peacock exclusive, but again, rumor not confirmed yet. Yep. And we
0: deal in facts here. Facts and cold, hard opinions. (laughs) (laughs) This was fun. Uh, Don't miss The Wicker Man on Wednesday's Filmgasm and a Best Picture Showdown starring 1971's The French Connection on Oscar Sunday. Have an awesome week and keep watching movies. God knows we're going to do it.